Welcome to another episode of Smart Home, Stupid People. My name is Eris Felmuth. My name is Madeleine Siege. And today we've got a great topic. We have shaman versus biologist. And as you guys have seen in the uh, short intro, we had that old like Street Fighter classic. Uh, it was actually Dalzim versus Blanca. <laughs> <laughs> because I always kind of thought of, of as, as Dalzim the, uh, the shaman and Blanca is this like guy from the jungle. That in the movie with Van Damme and Kylie Minogue back in the mid-90s, they said that uh, he was genetically altered hmm. by biologists. And uh, well, so that was kind of the idea to me is like the creation of biologists and the creation of uh, in a tongue-in-cheek kind of way. So mm. how are you today, Maddie? Good, good. I'm well rested. <laughs> yeah? How well rested? What, what does that mean? Well, I had a nice nappy. Ah. <laughs> While you guys were practicing music, I kind of, you know. Yeah, today was a music day for me. My, uh, my bandmates were over and we were making loud music all day long. Yeah. And uh, it's nice and summer outside. So the trucks and the motorcycles are flying by in the street and uh, it feels, it's a good energy in the air. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. So, okay. so we are live. And I'm just going to get this out of the way in the beginning mm. today. Uh, Rockfin, Telegram, Twitch, and DLive in video version and in audio version only on Podbean. In Twitch and DLive, we are known as smart homes slow people because we don't like stupid people over there. Mm. So that being said, today's going to be kind of an interview. And uh, what better guest than Dr. <laughs> Biologist Madeleine Siege? Um, we were talking about this the other day on how shamanism it seems like has been ahead of the curve every step of the way mm -hmm. for a long time thousands of years i would say right we'll get into detail as to what shamanism means in the context that we are talking about because it seems to be a bit of a, a lingo a jargon word today where you know not all people kind of like esoteric and occult people tend to throw these words into sentences mm -hmm. like water doesn't really mean much but it fills the gap mm -hmm. right um and so we're getting into that in a minute but Madeline is a PhD biologist and like she's got a long history of trying to relate to reality through science and so on and so forth. And she, over the last five years, uh, gravitated more towards shamanistic um, techniques mm -hmm. and now dubs herself as an active shamanistic practitioner. Right? That's that's a good way of... Shamanic practitioner, right? Shamanic practitioner, yeah, yeah. exactly. I'm not calling myself a shaman. <laughs> well, there we go, exactly. Yeah. So um, let's, let's, let's dive into it. Let's get into it. Sure. Uh, let's start off with uh, why did you want to become a biologist? What was the mm -hmm. inspiration there? And, uh, you know, what was your influence? Why? What happened there? Yeah, I think... I grew up in a in a little village, you know, close to Berlin with forests and a water lake and I was the only child, so I had a lot of time by myself and yeah. we had a huge garden. So I spent a lot of time outside in the garden and um playing I had with sticks and rocks. Playing sticks yeah. and rocks, <laughs> specifically with rocks. We had a huge pile of, you know, like sand and there was always stones I picked out and mm. we had chickens and uh, piggies and a cat and all that so I spent a lot of time with animals also mm. with my imaginary friends I guess since I was a little lonely child you know like <laughs> yeah <laughs> I had a lot of like, how many people uh, how, how big was your village 
population? I think back then maybe 350 or 400 people. So okay. it was a little, little village. And I was just naturally interested in everything that was around me, like animals and plants and all that. And I remember when my dad asked me, you know, what, what do you want to become when you're, when you're grown up? I wanted mm. to become a veterinarian first. A veterinarian, okay. A veterinarian, yeah. And then since my grandma, she she was working in a in a cow facility, is like in a is that like a like, milk, like a dairy milk, yeah farm. A dairy farm. Yeah. And she always said, "Well, don't do that." You know, whenever they have the veterinarians over, they have to do this like these these things where they put the arms in the cow. <laughs> she yeah. had just that picture of a veterinarian that is just doing all this gross work. <laughs> I rather thought about the little, you know, the cats the and the things. hamsters and yeah. all that. <laughs> But somehow she talked me out of it, I think. And then the next thing I, I wanted to become was a psychologist. And eventually I became a biologist, I think due to my dad. He said, you know, why why don't you become a biologist? You're always interested in nature. Mm -hmm. He's also a very nat nature-interested person himself. And I was thinking about it and I really thought, well, knowing about animals and plants and genetics and ecology, that was something I was really excited about in yeah. the beginning. I just wanted to learn how life works. Yeah. I guess that was the main motivation. And maybe also a little bit, you know, to show my parents, my dad, and I'm able to do it. I was a little scared in the beginning because you need to know a lot about um, chemists, uh, chemistry and physics. Yeah, everything, really. It's actually really everything. And I, I, I yeah. sucked in mathematics. I yeah. sucked in, um, in physics and in chemistry. So I was like, the only thing I could imagine, I, I think I will be good at is biology. <laughs> but eventually I came around, so... yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, with biology, I mean, uh, botany, like knowing all the flowers, right? Yeah, uh, there's so many aspects to it, knowing all the flowers. And then you have, so there's systematics in mm -hmm. zoology and botany, you know, just like knowing all the different families, yeah. how they all are related, you know, what is a spider, where does it belong to and all these kind of things. Yeah. And then you have the uh, physiology, how does everything work? How does plant work? Animals work. Then you have microbiology. Right. All the micro, micro micro stuff, the genetics, the ecology, and anatomy, what else? Immunology, yeah. biochemistry. So that was chemistry, yeah. a lot, a lot of stuff. Right. <laughs> and then I guess later on, uh, the, 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 the computers became more predominant in your industry and uh, technology started fusing with biology. And now you have biotech and all that kind of stuff becoming. Yeah. And, uh, and um, um, genetics is, is more in the forefront, I would say, today more than ever. Well, I don't know we really know how it is today. I think specifically they they're using it more also in a different context. You know, mm. when I was an ecologist and behavioral biologist, we mainly observe things and now you use computers to mm. to uh, make simulations in ecology and you know just look at big systems to see and predict yeah. how ecosystems will change when, for example, the temperature changes, something like that. That's pretty new kind of. And and what kind of biologist are you for the listening audience? Like, <laughs> it, it, you just listed off all these different types of yeah. biology fields. Obviously, I believe when you um, do a dissertation, you kind of have to specialize in one field. Or how does that work? Yeah, so basically, I I have a diploma, which is very it's like a unique form to Germany. The, mm -hmm. the way you know the the exam works. So diploma was something. So that, uh, that's similar to like the masters, I guess. It's even to... more than a masters. It's it's a uh, six years six years education and a, and a post high school. Yeah. Yeah, and then you have a. A, a thesis which is even longer than a master thesis. So I would say it's it's worth more because you put more more time into it, more effort mm -hmm. into it. And it was very unique to the German education system. But does until, this mean you guys don't have like a bachelor system at all? You just back pretty... then we didn't. 
but then, you know, like the German government kind of realized, oh, wait a little, you know, because our education takes long, the people graduating, they're much older than the yeah. others from other countries. And so they, they wanted to be more compatible. Mm -hmm. And then they started to change the whole system, which I think was the biggest mistake ever. Yeah, yeah I agree. Because in other countries, I think the German education was valued. Because yeah. we were really able to do stuff, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and and, and from what I reckon, yeah. you know, I have a couple friends of mine uh, I know who also received German education yeah. back in the day. Yeah, they also seemed a bit more or much more relaxed out of the gate. Yes, we had more time, you know, yeah. to explore things. Now everything is really um, about the schedule. You have to have all these classes and the credit points and all that. That didn't happen when I was a mm. student. We had our mid-exams and then the term exams, which were the ones that were counting at the end for your, you know, your, um, the, was that Zeugnis? The <laughs> for the, the degree. Certificate. Yeah, yeah, the certificate, the degree. yeah. So the only only time you really had to push a little was at the end of your mm -hmm. exams and to prepare yourself proper for it. And in between, no one was caring. You just needed to pass. Right. And and that took a lot of pressure from you because you you know you could just explore and you had more mm -hmm. time to also. I visited class in, in phil uh, philosophy in ethics in I don't know what else I had language classes at well, the same time so I had time to do all this so uh, just to wrap things together because I want to start off by actually doing a bit of an overview on both biology yeah. and shamanism yeah. and to explain you know just like you said a second ago all the different aspects of, mm -hmm. of biology itself mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. how you have zoology be behavioral biology mm -hmm. uh, you know mm -hmm. genetics and all these different mm -hmm. elements that you can specialize in and then as you mentioned you had to do um, intense mathematics, you had yeah. to do physics, you had to do statistics, yeah. you had to do uh, a botany, you had to do physiology, not just for humans, but for a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. What about, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, earth, uh, like rocks and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Anything like that, geology? Parts of it a little bit when we had the like yeah, ecosystem ecosystems. stuff. Yeah, but right? I didn't actually answer the questions and I just want to make it briefly. Please. <laughs> what kind of a biologist I am. I would say I'm a behavioral biologist in the first place. That was mm -hmm. my, I kind of majored in. So you, at the end, you have to pick a direction. So we have two years of um, basic study where you learn everything. Yeah. And then in the next two to three years, you pick your the subjects that you really will study a lot. And then you also write your your thesis in it mm -hmm. and my main subject for my exams were was behavioral biology and i also had animal ecology i had plant physiology mm -hmm. so these kind of things and i also was um i also studied at the university in tasmania because they offered specific classes i was very interested in that was about right. biodiversity um specifically for islands so I was uh, always very interested. So isolated populations. Yeah, yeah in okay. the ecology of islands. And overall, that's why I would say, and I am also an evolutionary biologist, <laughs> everything is about evolution. You always ask yourself, you know, why is that certain behavior? Why is that ecosystem like that? Why do yeah. people, uh, why do animals uh, what makes it special come to yeah. that place? And evolutionary biology is always over everything. And then you yeah. study ecology because you want to know why are these animals and plants there? So and I specifically was interested in, in islands. So I was mm -hmm. in, in Hawaii and in Japan and in Tasmania because islands from a bio biological point of view and evolutionary point of view are very um, special and very interesting. Yeah. So and that's how I kind of worked my way through it. And then also for my PhD dissertation, I had an urban ecology topic. Same mm -hmm. thing. You are interested in an uh, evolutionary biologist question. Mm -hmm. You want to know why are certain animals in the city and others not? How are 
what the kind behavioral of ad- difference yeah, between the behavioral yeah, yeah. difference mm-hmm. you know it's just like you just you just uses different aspects for biology in order to answer questions that are always leading mm-hmm. to the bigger questions of evolutionary biology yeah i, I remember back in high school so i went to a, a funky high school where uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, we had um one hour a week for each class and a lot of the classes were adapted university programs f- brought to high school yes. to better train people to go to university. Yeah. Um, and I was a part of the last, um, let's say the last era, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, th- what they did is for everybody born after 85. So I'm born before 85. Um, everybody born after 85 only had um, four years to graduate and mm-hmm. I had five years of high school. Mm-hmm. I actually took seven to do it, but mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a different story. The point <laughs> is, is that uh, we had a very different system. So I'm a part of the older system. Yeah. And in there, we had a whole bunch of great uh, psychology, sociology classes and, and, and um, even um, marketing and all that stuff that I mm-hmm. actually really liked. I mm-hmm. couldn't believe how much I enjoyed marketing class because I hate marketing as an idea, as a concept, but it was really fun. Yeah. Marketing to me, was really almost like borderline anthropology, right? It, it, yeah. It's very cool Psychology, to see. Psychology, it has a lot to do with it, yeah. Yeah, huge. Mm-hmm. And um, so the, uh, uh, what was I getting at there? The, uh, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I <laughs> know, today was know. a funny day. It was just sweating and go, go, go. And we, we, we decided to do this really cool idea today because it just, feels like a nice flowing uh, topic that we can get through. Yeah, it was already a topic this week. I had two, actually two interviews, uh, interviews about the same yeah. topic, right? Yeah, so that's actually was of... one of the bigger inspirations to try and get this out because I heard Madeline doing this uh, topic over and over and she keeps telling me how much she wants to talk about this stuff more often. So today, mm. the spotlight's on mm. her, right? All right. <laughs> so um, it'll have to come back to me in a second. My brain is uh, still kicking in for the episode. But uh, what I wanted to kind of get towards was um, in my sociology class... Um, It'll come back to me in a second. Yeah, sure. So, <laughs> tell tell us a little bit more mm-hmm. about why behavioral biology. Then, what was the um, like <laughs> of all the different of all the different things in behavioral yeah. biology? Because obviously, uh, oh, so yeah, what I wanted to talk yeah. about is with behavioral biology was um, in sociology class. I there was a it's a big focus on the learned and the innate. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is yeah. what are you born with? Yes. And what do you accumulate with you over over your time Absolutely, as, yeah. as a living being? That's a and good question. Then you have all these ideas that are okay, well, what is influencing you mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. due to environment? Mm-hmm. And what is truly you? Like what are you yeah. deciding to yeah. do with uh the information that you've learned? So I, I yeah. guess when you're talking about behavioral biology, you're talking about um that really to 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 try and figure out yeah what is different from what they've learned so that you could maybe even more isolate what is 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 just uh, innate? What are they born with, right? Yeah. Well, I think, first of all, I was always m- more interested in animals than in plants. So that was the first kind of, you know, the first yeah. direction I took because animals are just moving and, you know, like they seem to be more complex and more interesting to me. Right. And then I think it had a lot to do with me first wanted to become a psychologist myself, I mm-hmm. guess, to understand myself better. I, As I said, you know, I, I came from a family where there was a lot of drama, a lot mm-hmm. of trauma. My Both of my parent, uh, grandparents, they they had um, in contact, you know, they were in the whole war thing, and the, the Second World War, and they had, there was a lot of trauma. And I, I think I wanted to understand deep down mm-hmm. their behavior, my behavior. And as you said, the question is, what is it that, that makes you you, you know, it's like yeah. with animals when they are born, what is it that 
is already there because it's inherited and they need this kind of behavior. And what is it that they learn? And it, absolutely, the environment they grow up yeah. has so much to do with it. And I guess deep down that was my desire since I couldn't, you know, study psychology. I had not the grades for it. <laughs> I Maybe deep down I picked this direction to at least understand from an animal point of view right. how it works. And I, I found already a lot of, I found a lot of parallels to us, to us humans because we have a lot of behavior well, animals, Joe. that is very... Yeah, animal-like, and at the, at you, um, as you say, we are animals at the end. I, I think realizing this was also already a step to my shamanic understanding of the world, mm. that we are part of nature in many ways that we forgot about. Right. Yeah. So that's a nice transition then right now into the You're shamanic welcome. idea. <laughs> there we go, right? Um, shamanism. Yes. What is shamanism then now? Because we want I what I really wanted to do with this episode mm -hmm. is to put shamanism and biology on uh, on on a on the same table mm -hmm. and to look at them separately. Because mm -hmm. from my impression, and like I mentioned before, mm -hmm. shamanism to me has always been ahead of the curve, and biology mm -hmm. has always been trying to explain what's going on specifically in the world of shamanism. Yeah. I'll, I'll get to that, but exp but mm -hmm. what what would you say shamanism is? Yeah, I'm not so good with definitions. I I learned them by heart a lot, and you know, <laughs> I think I'm I fed up with definitions. Well, so what's your definition? My definition of a, a shamanism is the, I would even say it's kind of a science of you know, the connection to everything around you, the connection to spirits, to the spirits of plants, spirits of lands, how to communicate with other beings, with other places, and. Also, how to use the knowledge that is available in 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 everything around you. Yeah, that's how I see shamanism. It's a it's a it's a way to get in touch and in contact with everything around you. Okay. Yeah. Um. And well, so there's a, a cool way I've always kind of looked at it is that you have human culture. Yeah. And then you have imperial culture. I learned this from uh, Neil Kramer. He's one of my favorite talkers. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. And uh, he talks a lot about empire mm -hmm. as in um, almost a, a very mechanical uh, um, end result based system, like something that always is the end justifies the means. When we're talking about okay. empire, it's something that's that that like uh, it just wants to expand and consume, and it doesn't yeah. have any core values. Okay, it, yeah. it absorbs the core values of the cultures it consumes and adjusts its core values in order to ensure that it can become bigger and stronger. Right, that's yeah. to me the mm -hmm. idea of empire. That's the way I've always looked at it. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk about human cultures, you talk about something that grows very slow mm -hmm. with the land and the spirit. Yeah. Of yeah. the land, yeah, um, and yeah. and something like shamanism, uh, this is something that you you begin right at birth, right? Mm -hmm. If you're in a society that um, that has a natural core value of mm -hmm. of a natural philosophy of life, yeah, then you begin immediately yeah. learning from your your you know um, your peer not your peers but from your family and yeah, from your absolutely. neighbors and all yeah. that just like you were saying your ancestors you, yeah mine, you grew yeah. grew up with animals in your backyard you yeah. um, had a huge garden uh, your grandmother worked on a dairy farm so there was mm -hmm. a, a already for you 
a lot of natural interaction in your life that you could also say to a large degree, you picked up a lot of your original shamanistic information that way as a child. Yep, absolutely. And then when we, you know, go over to the flip side and we now look at something that we call, that Neil Kramer calls the imperial culture. You know, imperial culture is something like Coca-Cola, right? Uh, It'll take something like the idea of Santa Mm -hmm. Claus. Mm-hmm. And paint a picture on it in order to sell sugar water. Yeah. And so long as it, <laughs> yeah, right. Jingle bells and all this kind of stuff. These are all songs that were ju- that were that were made in order to hawk products. They have nothing to do <laughs> with a core spirit of of people. Instead, what yeah. it had done is it had taken ideas mm-hmm. that were grown slowly by men. Mm-hmm. Right. The idea of Santa Claus has a couple origins. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, specifically in Northern Europe, the idea of Christmas has many origins as mm-hmm. well, specifically mm-hmm. all throughout Europe. And uh, these ideas were just adopted here and there, so that when I think, like my exam, my my um, impression is that when people see Christmas for the you know when they're growing up, it it feels like a human culture, but it's not. I see. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, this yeah. is the idea of empiricism mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they're trying to trick you mm-hmm. into saying you can follow our gods mm-hmm. because they still celebrate what they do on the same mm-hmm. days of mm-hmm. the years as your pagan mm-hmm. I- ideologies. Um, the feeling is very similar. And if you and, and when you're on the side of the mm-hmm. empirical side, then you're kind of given that idea of um, we're the ones who will win the battle and the race, so it's mm-hmm. best to join our side. Mm-hmm. And I find that imperial, imperial culture also tends to um, make all the natural things taboo, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you see this a lot now, and this is why I start to see this in the, in the modern-day science world. This is why I say shamanism versus biology. I mean, the first question I have is, are they against one another? And I would say that to a degree, they, from the mm-hmm. shamanistic point of view, they're not. But from the biology point of view, they are. Yeah, yeah. Right? So uh, going yeah. back... Well, at least, the you know, in within the scientific framework. Well, and this is... That, that's that's a big thing I want to I wanna touch base mm-hmm. on. Now, let's let's continue with... I'm going to write that down right here. Okay. Right? So I don't forget it. <laughs> right? <laughs> the idea of shamanism. Um, let's, let's elaborate the same way that you elaborated on biology, how you mm-hmm. have all these different types of biology. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a little bit of a... Of, of a a round view on shamanism and all its different diversities. What are you learning? What, like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. just what you think yeah. would be essence of what they call the core shamanism from uh, Harner, for example? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing, you know, if you go into the, in a basic seminar yeah. of the core shamanism, the first thing is that you'll learn some, some, some assumptions, I would say, that the underlying core shamanism does. And the first one is everything um, has a spirit. Okay. Everything is besold. Mm-hmm. There's a soul in everything. And that you can connect and communicate with these spirits mm-hmm. through, for example, a shamanic journey. Mm-hmm. So there are different shamanic tools, right? So shamanic practices that can use in order to contact these spirits. Yeah. And then in order for you to, to give you like a... It's it's like a like a you know a, a roadmap where to find stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so you learn that the shamanic worldview has three three realms kind of like you have the middle world, the upper and the lower world, and the middle world is where we're here right now. Mm-hmm. And you have in the middle world you have the ordinary and the non ordinary reality. Yeah. So the ordinary reality is like you know you guys can hear me now and you can see me if you have the video on. This is the ordinary reality where things have shape where there is time, where is the physical 
physical objects, you know, right. this is just the, the known world as we know it. Yeah. And this middle world also has a non-ordinary reality to it where there are spirits around us that we can't see, mm. but we might be able to feel them, you know, if we're open to it, you, you might feel that there's like a, you know, your dad, grand, grandma around you or something like that. Right. You know, she can be in that same middle world. And then if you do the shamanic journey, you're, you can go to the middle world, but you can also go to the upper and the lower world. And this is where from the shamanic world, you, you have the, the spirit animals in mm -hmm. the lower world and you have the teachers, ascended beings in the upper world. Okay. And so this is the first thing that you learn and then you learn how to do the shamanic journey. And it's really just like, you know, you you have a point of the starting point where you, in your mind, you think of a nice place and from there, you you give the intention, okay, I have the intention, for example, to find my spirit animal. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing usually you do. Right. And you're just trying to to get to know these realms. And then in a shamanic journey, all you do is you either sit down or you lay, lay down. You close your eyes and you you see that that starting point of yours in, in front of you. You really mm -hmm. create that place. You, you can feel and smell well, where it is. And um, then from there you start. The big underlying question I have is, I mean, yes. what is a shaman? A shaman is someone who is so skilled in, in these shamanic practices, who mm -hmm. knows these realms really well, who has his allies that help him, help him seeking for answers. For example, if someone comes to the shaman and say, you know, I, I have an illness, what can we do? He is able to find the right spirit to ask for and give, mm. bring the answer. From and he these, can communicate with them. And he can yeah. communicate with them. So he is a master in 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 you know, just shifting between the ordinary and non-ordinary reality. Mm -hmm. Like he's just the human, you know, human being, the ordinary reality. What, what Someone about, approaches um, him and he's able to find answers in the non-ordinary reality. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, what about medicine? Mm -hmm. I mean, it, we, we, in the past we had medicine men and shaman. They were kind of very similar yeah. depending on what tribe and what part of the world you were yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the medicine man is the same. You, you would go to a medicine man if you, if you seek help. Right. So this is the same with the shaman. Um, and the thing with the shaman is that within within these indigenous cultures where you still have the very, you know, the, the culture of the mm -hmm. sh shamanic, um, how you say it, like a, the shamanic traditions, right? right? There's like, it's not someone is coming, you know, it's like, I'm the shaman here now. <laughs> Since you're living in, the, in a community, you have to prove yourself. You have to prove mm -hmm. yourself able to. To, to have this this ability for the shamanic journey to bring answers that will really help the community. Okay. So you have to prove yourself and usually you undergo um, a very strict education, you know, like with fasting and, and you have to do some initiations where you're sent into the forest for right. a couple of days, you have to survive. So you have to prove to your community that you have the power to really communicate with the spirits and okay. they kind of have to prove themselves it's like you know they come back a week after they've sent to the forest <laughs> look i'm still alive and then everything is like wow he would only be able to survive because if. he is in in such a good communication with the spirits yeah yeah so, I've, I've heard from some tribes thankfully we don't have to do it here because you know i'm not <laughs> yeah right i'm not looking for a community who who makes me their shaman <laughs> well so but i can still use the techniques well, that's the idea is, I mean, the modern day version of it, what we're talking about shamanism today is what you call core shamanism, which stems from Michael Harner. Yeah. And Michael Harner was uh, an anthropologist who had gathered information um, from traveling the world and yeah. looking and seeing that 
no matter where he went and he, t- and he went to indigenous place, like tribes uh, all over the world, yeah. their core values and beliefs were yeah. always so similar. Like yeah. you mentioned before, that there's that first assumption that you kind of look at when yeah. you first start. Yeah. In, the se- in the same sense that in science, the first assumptions would be the laws of thermodynamics, mm-hmm. for example. Um, and then with shamanism, it's that spirits and, and, and uh, spirit exists. Yeah, spirit exists. Right? Yeah. That yeah. would be the very first thing and yeah. that you have different realms of, yeah. uh, of, of spirit and energy. And there's also something that you can, for example, lose uh, a part of your soul. So there is something needed as a soul retrieval. That's also something very, right. very um, similar amongst. And here we have the very nice, you know, transition to biology because as an evolutionary biologist, you you look at the world and you look, mm. you have all these animals and all these plants, and then you think of, wow, what do they all have in common and has that evolved because they're of, of the same ancestry or mm-hmm. because it, it just works. And yeah, yeah. at different places, they came up with the same idea because that was the simplest and yeah. just that idea that just works. For example, you know, like the, the eye that we humans have is very similar to the eye that an octopus has, but mm-hmm. it's not from the same ancestors. It just kind of worked itself out because it, it's just the best construction. Kind of like how a, a, a sphere is a, a very efficient shape. Yeah, yeah. Just the way yeah. it was, it, it's built differently, but still it, it kind of works the same or similarly. And I mm-hmm. see the same thing with the, sh- uh, with the shamanic techniques. They work and because they work, they have been, they popped up all over the place. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think what Michael Hanna just did was just he discovered that, as you said, there were, common assumptions about the shamanic worldview as you say their spirits exists yep. and that something you know for example um if you if you had a traumatic experience some parts of your spirit can can be gone and yep. through a shamanic journey you can bring it back these kind of things yeah i was listening to benjamin balderson the other day and he had something to say about that that's very on par mm-hmm. and he said that um and I, I'm, I'm really of his mindset as well. The idea of this always, the, like science loves this idea of the singularity where everything comes from one thing, mm-hmm. um, whether it be the Big Bang or life on Earth, that yeah, all sure. humans supposed to have the same ancestor. But at the yeah. same time, when we now are looking into science and like I said, a mythology, you look at North mythology mm-hmm. and it's not the case. North mythology really, you know, obviously they have the Ganunga gap, mm-hmm. right? But it also shows you that life on earth, for example, in our realm, in in, in, yeah. in the middle realm, that it, it was actually more like life was ready and so yeah. it popped up everywhere yeah. at the same time because yeah, yeah. it worked. Yes. And that's something that he mentioned. He also mentioned that uh, when mold, uh, when you put mold into a Petri dish, it doesn't start on one side and grow out. <laughs> it, it grows everywhere at the same time. It's true. Yeah, it's true. And I've seen it. <laughs> you've seen it. Yeah. So it, it's a really Not cool Not in my fridge, but yeah. <laughs> in the laboratory. <laughs> yeah. And so the idea is that uh, when the conditions yeah. for something are right, yeah. then the answer is naturally going to be logically the same if yeah. you're living in a world of truth. Yeah, I absolutely agree on that. I think, and that's why right now you can see more and more of these topics popping up everywhere because it's the right time. You know, people are ready no. for this kind of stuff because as I was a couple of years ago, I was desperate. I felt so lonely and empty within myself and, and, and inside because I felt something is missing in my life. Right. I'm really missing out a big part here of, of life that I'm not looking at. Right. But deep down, no, uh, deep down knowing that something was there. Yeah. 
So um, let's let's look at shamanism now the same way we looked at biology, right? Yeah. As, as a biologist. Okay. Um, so as a biologist, we we listed off all the different uh, mm-hmm. prerequisites that mm-hmm. were required in mm-hmm. order to become a biologist and mm-hmm. all the different fields, mm-hmm. meaning that some biologists are zoologists, some mm-hmm. are uh, evolutionary biologists, mm-hmm. some are behavioral, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. In the shaman world, I would argue that there are different types of shamans, uh, but uh, that's only mm-hmm. when you look at them culturally. It's not like you're going to go to the shaman for this and the shaman for that in the same way that yeah. we think of that today. No, it's not like you have the you know the shaman for all diseases that have to do with your yeah. uterus and <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly and the dentist shaman. <laughs> exactly, it's not like that. <laughs> uh, but the yeah, right, uh, but the idea uh, that I see f- is that this core um, foundation that the shamanism and the shaman is built upon is a deep relation to reality. And mm-hmm. and what I mean by reality, I mean, like you said, if if you go by that idea that, um, let's say, the laws of thermodynamics for a shaman would mm-hmm. be, ener- like spirit exists. Yeah. There's a spirit for everything. This microphone has a spirit. Yeah. Um, and that there are realms yeah. and that different types of energies and spirits occupy these different realms and yeah. you can communicate to them. Yeah. And, um, from what I've heard over and over again is that time works very differently in different realms. Yeah. Um, so you have the ability to talk, for example, to the future soul of an entity that you see in your realm mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. looking into another realm. So I, these are things that I've I've picked up and heard from various different yeah. um, I, I philosophies. Yeah. But to put it again side by side to biology, so you have the aspect of looking into, uh, let's say, parallel worlds. You mm-hmm. have the idea of tapping into energy. Mm-hmm. You have the idea of tapping into your personal biology by changing your physiology as, mm-hmm. in the sense that like a shaman has the ability to uh, better control his heart, to better control his metabolism, to be able to, like I, I get this from mm-hmm. the Vedics specifically. Mm-hmm. They're very big on that, uh, on, on being able to like, you know, with all the yogas and all that stuff and, and yeah. uh, that they're very big on being able to slow down the heart rate. They're very big on being able to, um, like you said, to survive 10 days without food or water, these kind of things. Mm-hmm. And they and the reason why they can do this is because it's a clear sign that they've mastered uh, the technique mm-hmm. of being able to um, draw energy, for example, from the ether. Because, like that's a word I'll use. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because uh, because of, of their experience being able to do that, like, right? Just, yeah. just yeah. to put it together. And uh, before you, you answer that, again, so we have all these different topics. Like in science, you mentioned you have all these different fields. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have the medicine side on top of it. You have the psychedelics, the mushrooms, the ayahuasca, mm-hmm. the tobacco, mm-hmm. the uh, the natural story, elements. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the sage, the yeah, yeah. all these different things. And it's really amazing because I've heard that this is where I say that science is catching up to shamanism yeah. because shamanism yeah. says that they get their information yeah. directly from spirits and the energy of the objects. So yeah. the ability to ask a yeah. plant, are you good for me and what can you do for me yeah. is a shamanic practice. Absolutely, Whereas yeah. biologists today and, <laughs> and chemists will say, well, hold on a second there. And this is, I think, one of those reasons yeah. why chemists and biologists love to say it, it, it's incredible. Like the, 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 the probability <laughs> of mm-hmm. being able to discover ayahuasca mm-hmm. is so little, mm-hmm. but that's only from the scientific yeah. foundation yeah, yeah. that we'll get yeah. back the framework yeah. but in this in the shamanic framework 
Of course it makes sense. The plants absolutely. told them so. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So yeah. so elaborate so now that I put them <laughs> side by side, that's the way I see it is that yeah. the the way that a shaman gathers their information is so much more efficient and and I and I say this because you and your journey you've expressed this to me in the past mm-hmm. as to why you switched to shamanism. Yeah. Um let's go there. What not yeah. switch but what brought you there and why is it now because you've expressed also to me in many ways that biology is obsolete in the sense that if you want to relate to an animal mm-hmm. why would you probe him and 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 put on yeah. gps senders and this when you can just ask him absolutely <laughs> so please please I, I, that's a mouthful i put there yeah, yeah. but i think now now i've 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 put shamanism and uh biology on the same table where you can see the different yeah. levels and the layers yeah. and, and 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 um the way they relate to reality yeah. and you can see how shamanism bl- requires what we in modern day context would would say a belief, mm-hmm. but probability mm-hmm. of that belief actually mm-hmm. being that correct all the time is mm-hmm. so, so yeah. like unbelievably off the chart, right? Absolutely, yeah. So therefore yeah. it has an edge yeah. that science and biology doesn't have. Yeah, well, yeah. So I don't know how to, yeah. how to say it. So let's start with uh, <laughs> what, what, uh, what really was uh, like a eureka moment for you. With, with yeah, like I mean, with shamanism, you were you were yeah. attracted to it. What? How did that start? And where did you start to say, "This is this is real"? Mm-hmm. So I think I, I I mentioned a couple of times already in in our show where it really started for me when I was about thirty. I was in the midst end of my PhD thesis. Mm-hmm. I I always loved to be a biologist. I was as I said always interested in it, but then I felt so empty on the way. You know the 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 scientific world was so cold and competitive and right. I just felt like why the hell I'm doing this here <laughs> I had a yeah a strong urge to really also just don't want to live anymore because it was so painful for me and then I started the psychology classes you know like found help with a psychotherapist but somehow we we were not really at, not really coming to a I, I was not at a better place when I when I was done with the therapy and right. so I was looking for other ways and somehow my I picked up a book about um, shamanism and I started reading in it and I thought you know what spirits mm. right yeah 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 <laughs> the spirit don't spirits uh, they don't exist and I read it was about I remember it was about a shaman from the Eskimos, he had a an unpronounceable long name, Anna yeah, Nakana, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, something. Yeah. And I don't know, just reading that book, it kind of it was it, I was sucked into a different universe. It felt so comforting, just the way he talked about the connections that he had with nature. You know, so whenever he yeah. lights a candle, he is fully present. Whenever he looks at animals, and the way he talked about it was so full of love and compassion. And I I was I I got curious, so I bought the next book about uh, shamanic practices and mm-hmm. I read about the Ainu, which is an indigenous tribe in, in Japan. And coincidentally, <laughs> in the same year, I was invited to give a talk about my work in Sapporo in Hokkaido, so north of Japan. And I felt like, you know, this is not a coincidence. Obviously, right. there's something to it here. I mean, how, how great are the odds? <laughs> Never heard about the Ainu any, yeah. before and I just picked up a book. Synchronicity, as they say. Yeah, picked yeah. up a book about the Ainu. And so I went there for three months and through through different coincidences again, mm-hmm. I ended up at the, um, at the Ainu festival. And so the Ainu is a, the indigenous tribe. There are only a couple people left who really have that culture within them. Yeah. 
And uh, so that area was, they, they meet up every year in a very sacred place within the forest, beautiful, you know, with lake and, and the river. It was, it was magical. And so for a whole week, they, 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 yeah, practice their, you know, traditions, the way they make clothing, the way they sing. Um, they had some shamanic rituals going on and I was able to join all of this. And for the first time, I saw the context of it, the way they communicated with, with plants, with animals, right. the way they brought themselves into that alternate state of, you know, consciousness. And I was in the middle of it. And for them, that was just so natural. And <laughs> I was there like, you know, like a, like a pink elephant. <laughs> Can you imagine just, biologists doing that? No, no. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> like just, you guys have conferences to, instead. Yeah. But how yeah. stale is your conference in contrast? And I, I just came, you know, it was really for yeah. me that, that, that contrast. I had it a week before I was at such a conference and then I was in the middle of nowhere, yeah. you know, chanting with these people. <laughs> and I was really lucky. They really in, invited me and, and they, I, I was able to be part of their sacred techniques and, you know, the, mm -hmm. the, that energy. That that alone was making me so happy, and I felt so glad. And um, I don't know, it just was a big present from the universe yeah. for me to really show me the way that this is how I have to go. And I learned pretty fast. I picked up some techniques, then I started the shamanic journey. I read a book about it. You mm -hmm. know, something I wouldn't recommend actually to any everyone. Just reading a book and then start journeying. Rather, yeah, yeah, yeah. do a class. <laughs> safer. Talk to other people who've done it. Talk to other yeah. people who've done it, and also I had a very very interesting moment with uh, the sh the shaman from that community. Mm -hmm. In the Ainu culture, it is common that everyone has an Ainu name. So mm -hmm. Ainu is an old language and that just gives you the characteristics of your spirit. So yeah. just, you know, why are you here? And that that energy to you. And so one of the people who were also not from Ainu community, there was another guy from South America. We were only a couple people, Europeans and, you know, yeah. non-Ainu non people. He said, you know, Madeline, I have my, Ainu, I just got my Ainu name. And I said, what is that? Well, you go to the shaman and you ask about your Ainu name. And he's like, "Oh, should I do this also?" And, and he said, "Well, you know, but I also heard if you were, if you if you if you think if she thinks that you are not ready for it yet, she won't tell you, you know." And right. I was like, oh, "I don't know. Shouldn't should I go? I don't want to be the greedy. You know, feel a failure, right? Yeah, I don't want to be greedy. I already got so much from them. You know, I don't want to be there." And it's like, "What is my item name? <laughs> yeah. You know, that that stupid German girl just coming and wants even more." And, consumerism. Yeah, consumerism. So I danced around her a couple of days <laughs> thinking like, should I ask her or not? And then somehow it was really naturally. I felt, okay, now I'm going to her. Her, her door was open. She looked at me. She already, she didn't say a word. She just, you know, invited mm -hmm. me in. And I just said, I know, what is my Ainu name? Or could you please tell me my Ainu name? And then she just pointed to the stars and she said, no, Chu. Mm -hmm. And then she said, star. And that was all it. Mm -hmm. So... I, in that moment, I I felt so happy, like it was as as if the star was falling on me, <laughs> as if I could catch it. And it, I don't know, it made me, it really changed my life that moment mm. because I felt like there is really more to life than that what we can just see, that there is magic to it. And it's in your power to really open up to the world and, mm -hmm. and let that guide you. And from there, I would say, you know, every... I went back to uh, to Germany and I visited more classes from the Shamanic Foundation Europe. Yeah, I practiced practiced myself a lot the shamanic journey, the shamanic divination, all the different techniques. I still to that day, every day I really have contact to my allies, specifically my mm -hmm. my 
my spirit animals. And this connection brings so much joy into my life. It is yeah. it is something that I was always longing for, that feeling of belonging, that feeling of unconditional love mm. that you have. And also knowing that every question I have, every problem I have, I can always go there. Right. And I can always ask, like, is it as if this is a family that I was always wishing for? It was always there, yeah. <laughs> but I was not, not paying attention. And it just, yeah, it's something that I really wish to everyone you know, being able to experience at one point in their lives because yeah. it gave me back my my happiness, my, mm, yeah, the joy, which does not mean that everything is always, you know, nice in my life and always happy and working out. But somehow it is, you know, even if I encounter problems and, and tragedies or something mm -hmm. that happens in my life that makes me sad in the first place, I can always consider my spirits and say, you know, what was that good for? Yeah. <laughs> and it's always good for something. It's always something yeah. that they want to point me at. And it's like, you know, look here, there's all drama in your childhood. Maybe you, you know, you can go to another shaman and he brings you back a soul part. Mm -hmm. So that is just, it just makes me very, uh, I have faith in, yeah. in, in so many different things that I've never had before. And even I was always afraid of dying and, you know, death and all that. Since I experienced that point, um, I made a shamanic journey to the point of death, which was really nice. <laughs> I, I'm, I don't have that fear anymore. And it, yeah. I live my life completely different with not having the fear of dying. You know, you, you make the decisions completely hmm. different. So it, it enriched my life in every way. And also to coming to that question, as you said, shamanistic or shamanism for me is now the shortcut. You know, it's like the yeah. direct way for me yeah, to right. to get the answers. And biology was the hard way, the long way. <laughs> it, 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 right. it guided me through so many books. And I loved studying it, but now I think I don't need to know how an animal specifically works. How yeah, it is. You don't have to take it apart. I don't need to take it apart <laughs> in order to understand oh, it. I yeah. don't need to put a radio collar in it, follow it. I could just, as you say, you know, I can do a shamanic journey. I can ask and then you get an experience that you would never get by just looking at it and measuring it. Mm. And the more I, the more I experience that, the the more obsolete the whole biology, yeah. you know, scientific community <laughs> becomes to me. That's why I'm focusing way more on the shamanic part in my life now yeah. because. Yeah. Now it just brings me more joy and it, it brings me closer to to nature. It, mm -hmm. it's when for example there's something called merging, you know, merging with the spirit of an animal, merging with the spirit of a of a tree, you can really feel how that tree experiences life. Yeah. They they have a complete different time experience yeah. you know whenever whenever we do this in, in the workshop or something i was like oh the tree dance again because i'm a very impatient person and when you do the tree dance you know that for 10 minutes nothing happens <laughs> <laughs> time is just stretched out so much yeah 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 <laughs> but it's interesting and you can really just empathize with these beings around even with stones you know i always learned in biology they're all living things are only the ones that are you know reproduce themselves that are growing that are can be able to to have senses and you know just just sense their environment so stones and water and air and fire and all that is not mm. part of the, the living world 
from a biological point of view. Right. But from a shamanistic point of view, they it are. Yeah. Everything yeah. is. And so you open up that world and I can tell you, communicating with a stone is the, the best thing I've ever done. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> They're like very interesting beings. That idea, is a river alive? Is a river alive? And for me, I always I always felt like, yes, it is. Whenever you go into a river, when you, when you are immersing yourself, you know, you take a bath, you can feel that fresh mm -hmm. energy. You can feel yeah. how you are cl cleaned by it. Yeah. And so also in a sh as a shamanic work, you learn with, with whom you can connect safely mm -hmm. and with whom you have to be a little careful. Yeah. As you said, you know, time is a little different in, in these realms that I learned in the, up in the lower world. There's actually no such thing as time. That's right. There's no such thing as physical objects. And because of that, these beings there, they don't have an own agenda. And that's why you can trust them. They mm -hmm. they want to help you. They are compassionate to yeah. you. So that's why it's important for you as a shaman to know where am I right now? With whom mm -hmm. I'm talking to right now? Whereas in the middle world, you know, if you if you talk, for example, to or you contact the spirit of a land, in the middle world you have time, you have objects and and the physical world, and here the spirits can have their own agenda, which does not mean you know that mm -hmm. doesn't mean they are bad or evil. They just have their own agenda. Yeah, yeah they're doing their thing. They're doing their they thing, and if you, you yeah, they don't yeah. they don't care too much about yourself. And yeah. if they're if you in the way of them, <laughs> of their agenda, then you know probably something you know they they might do something to you. So it's important to know where you are and with whom you're talking to. Mm. Specifically, if you want to do healing work for others, you are not working with your own energy. That's also a very mm -hmm. important thing to know as a shaman, sh shamanic practitioner you are always considering help from your shamanic allies because they don't know uh, they know what what to do right they and that's also everything you do as a shaman you are always uh, con con, uh consulting your spirits right. that's why it's so important to keep in touch with them you know to have mm -hmm. a good relationship with them awesome yeah <laughs> i there there are a couple points i want to touch on um first off the idea that the ainu gathered in a specific place every yeah. year. Yeah. In Norse culture, you have the thing. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, classically, the thing was in uh, Uppsala, Sweden. And um, after Icelandic colonization, um, they moved it to a place that they now call in Iceland, uh, Thingfiklia. Mm -hmm. And uh, we went there. Mm -hmm. And the reason why they say that they transferred it to Iceland. Because Iceland's not easy for anybody to get to, specifically not 1,200 years ago, True, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, or 1,100 years ago. And, and still, they did it. And it's interesting, they said, because this specific place had high energy. That's what the shaman mm -hmm. said. The mm -hmm. shaman yeah. at the time said, this place is the high energy. Yeah. And lo and behold, what have we learned with science recently about this place that we went mm -hmm. to? It's the only place above water mm -hmm. where um, the continents splitting apart can be mm -hmm. seen. It's the European continental crust and the American continental crust ripping each other apart and pushing yeah. out of the ground. Yeah. And this rip between them is where they have Thinkfiklia, uh, yeah. which is where they do the shamanic yeah. meetings yeah. Uh, a thousand years ago plus um, in the Norse culture. And so it was interesting to see that the, sh the shaman then knew that that place was high energy and they needed to go there. Yeah. So that way that when they went there to consult, um, to, you know, to, to, to try and help mm -hmm. all the different kingdoms mm -hmm. and the earls mm -hmm. and all that stuff with th their decisions that they would get the best answers there because yeah. of the high energy. Yeah. And it, so that to me, it, uh, you see that mirroring like that, that Jack, that Jack Harder, 
Michael Harner. Michael Harner. Michael, <laughs> I know. Uh, uh, Jack Harner, he's, the, he's that uh, that other guy, the dinosaur guy. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, that Michael Harner um, was talking about how it's the same basic program you see everywhere. And obviously mm-hmm. with the Ainu, um, you see that as well. You see that they looked for a specific place yeah. that had a high energy yeah. where they can get the best answers. Yeah, and also feel protected, you know, it's something sure. like specifically with the Ainu, there are they are followed by the government because, you know, they, the government wants to just destroy their culture and they don't want to they want to get rid of them. Right. So for them it's dangerous to to have these practices somewhere open. That's why yeah. they really have to gather in a safe place. And I mean, Amazing. you don't have to be a, a sh- like a, a trained shaman in order to feel all of these things. If no. you're open, you know, and I think you just walk around in areas in cities, in the country, you feel if a place feels a little odd, you know? Yeah. You feel like there is some good energies going on and you don't yep. want to go there. It's just a very, very natural reaction that everyone has, this mm-hmm. kind of intuition, this kind of right. um, energy feeling, yeah. So there's something I wanted to also focus on <clears throat> because you touched upon the idea of being able to talk to um, benevolent um, beings. Benevolent is good. You know, beings in a different ah. realm that uh, are good. And, and we they'll call give them you compassionate. Compassionate, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, have, you have malevolent and you have benevolent. And in, in, ah. in English, um, malevolent is bad and benevolent is good. So yeah. benign mm-hmm. and, and all that. Uh, but uh, the way that I learned it mm-hmm. was that uh, you there's a specific realm that you get to. And um, this is more, I guess, in the Vedic tradition that I that I heard this from. Mm-hmm. And this realm that might be maybe more close to what was dubbed Nirvana, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is a place of absolute truth. Mm-hmm. And yep. truth is is as we've it's 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 kind of like a a law, but a real law. I mean, you know what I mean? Like uh, it's an unbreakable thing. It's it's the way that it is. Mm-hmm. And if you were to take all of this that we experience and condense it into truth. Mm-hmm. What is truth? Obviously, there mm-hmm. is true and false. Mm-hmm. But in our realm, there's this whole gray area, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but the uh, the reality is, what is true? True is a law of attraction. True is, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. the 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 law of uh, of of contentment or you know balance. I would yeah. say it's, it's yeah, balance. It, balance is a good yeah. way of looking yeah. at yeah. it. Yeah. And so, therefore, beings that reach this realm of truth, mm-hmm. right, a, a realm mm-hmm. where everything is based on yeah. on what uh, on, on true reality, yeah, will not have a benign, yeah, uh, uh, sorry, a benevolent, uh, um, yeah, will. Like they will not want to do bad, yeah. And it's a funny thing because here's the catch: is I've heard that the in the realm of truth, there's no more free will because it's not necessary anymore. There's no more mm-hmm. time because it's not necessary yeah, yeah, anymore. It's true. It's true. And this is that idea is that you can talk to these beings in these realms. Mm. Uh, you know, if you if you guys think back to Stargate, right? Remember you had the ancestors; yeah, yeah, they the, all the ascended. Ascendant. Yeah, yeah, it's the same idea. And mm-hmm. but there's a funny thing because you have different realms. So you have the ascended realm mm-hmm. where you're a, the the energy is a level higher, but it's not the realm of truth. The realm of truth is that place where everything is the way it is because it is the way it is. Yeah. And like I said, and that it's a it's a weird thing to think that there's no more need for um, free will. But there mm-hmm. isn't because for us, free will is the will to choose against truth willingly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you were to condense all reality and all time into nothing, you'd know what is what and what yeah. isn't. And yeah, therefore, yeah, you wouldn't. Yeah. So I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah. That instead of, uh, for me, the way I always looked at it is instead of a realm where you talk to a being that um, 
is only going to be your friend because I think a lot of people who have maybe experience with mm -hmm. dealing with spirits, they mm -hmm. say, oh, I don't trust that. Mm -hmm. And the way I see it is that specific realm that you want to try and communicate with yep. is the realm of truth. And yep. for this reason, in that realm, there are no benevolent or there are no yep. bad spirits. That's, as I said, the first thing that you learn, you know, you learn the different ideas of the, the worlds and what you say, you know, the up and the lower world is, are these realms where there's no time, where there's no... No um, phys physical physicality. <laughs> yeah, there's, <laughs> like, there's, yeah, there's no physical and, being. And yeah. because of that, they don't have an own agenda. There's nothing for them to want, and yeah. other than being able to help bring things back into balance. And you, as a shaman, um, you are able to 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 wander between mm -hmm. these realms, take the information, and bring them back into the ordinary reality right. in this world in order to implement them. Yeah, and so whenever you know, I have a I have a a, a, a buddy, <laughs> a friend of mine, we are both, we are journeying for each other because just to be in the practice of it, you know, yeah. and it's always easier to journey for someone else than to journey on your own questions right. because you're involved too much, obviously. That's true, yeah. <laughs> and it always, it always helps for us to, to, to journey for the other uh, person. And now I lost my track <laughs> what I was saying before. We're talking about the different realms and to travel and, uh, yeah, for and other bring, people. Bring, bring back these information. Yeah. And, the the more I'm doing, the more I can just see that this is it's working. You know, you get answers that are so accurate, that are that are just looking beyond all the the things that you mm -hmm. see in your everyday life on the surface that you would think. You know, this is the reason or this is the cause. There's always so much more to it, and it is when you're on the journey. There are no doubts. It is clear for you what you have to do. That's as I said. That's the first thing you have to learn where you are. You are in the upper world, on your lower world, on the middle world. Right. And with time, you are able to navigate better through it. Yeah. And you have your your compassionate allies in both worlds that you can always mm -hmm. go to. And you say, you know, like I have the question, what will be the best place to get an answer? And then immediately you are down this way this way <laughs> yeah yeah and then you 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 get pictures and sometimes nothing comes and then you, you have a, maybe you have to change the question a little or something mm -hmm. and i have never had any I, I never had one case where i didn't get an answer that i was or the client was able to really work with yeah. and make things better so that's for me as a statistic you know like a as a scientist if you would put that into statistics yeah this is for me proof enough that this is working you know yeah, every it, it, case, it is it is something yeah, yeah it is something Absolutely. it's not just by chance and things are so complex sometimes the way answers come that you you can't say yeah well you know this is just luck or it is just yeah. coincidence it's not yeah. Yeah. Now, it, it, to, to me, it's a funny thing, like in the sense that we base science off of the things that we believe are true. Mm -hmm. We are physical because we can, can't yeah. put one hand through the other, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. we, uh, we believe gravity because stuff falls when you let it go. Yeah, obviously. Uh, right? But in the same sense that uh, you, you, we believe things have odors because we can smell. But mm -hmm. once you've actually felt what you've felt, yeah. you don't need to believe. You felt it. You know. Yeah. But unfortunately, a lot of uh, what will now go back into one of the original things we were talking about was the scientific framework. Mm -hmm. The scientific framework doesn't like to accept these things. Um you, and more so trying to keep you as much as away from it to just even try it out. I think, why is that? You know, 
This, I mean, they expect they 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 accept odor and they accept. Uh, it's a good uh, question. You know, why it's like that? Maybe deep chemistry. down they know that you know this is a very powerful tool for everyone, not only a, well, a shaman. Without or, going into the they, yeah, that's the other. The, 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 <laughs> no, I really want to know. For you as a biologist, yeah. obviously, when you uh, like, I've I've heard uh, it was Nassim Haramain was a guy I listened to many years mm -hmm, back, and mm -hmm. he said, if you want to bring a conference to a standstill, just say the word God, because <laughs> as soon as you say that. People will stop talking and then they will no longer take you seriously. It's true. It's true. I, I've seen it a couple of times. Yeah, right? yeah. Even in my workplace, you know, as a I'm working in an NGO, I have another colleague right now. He is really so far away from the whole believing system and stuff. Like, I'm I'm not talking to him about my private work, yeah. <laughs> but I guess since since I'm talking to other colleagues about it, eventually he'll he'll know about it and I'll see what happens. Yeah. I'm I'm sure you won't take me. It's all for anymore. him a conspiracy theory, right? Probably, or just like you know, me going mental. <laughs> right. So let's uh, let's take a second out, and uh, we got a couple of questions sure. coming in and see what's happening. Um, and crazy lady says the spot of birth and death, one in the same. Hmm. So this is an interesting thing, and I, I, yeah. I, I when we talk about the realms, this is an important thing that I've learned about the realms. Now I've read uh, um, Blavatsky's stuff in the past because mm -hmm. I was fascinating at the time, mm -hmm. um, and so I've read Isis Unveiled and um, um, A Secret Doctrine, right? And um, a big thing that she talks about in that is, and like I said, I don't want to push the Theosophy. It's it's it, there's a lot of interesting information in Theosophy in the mm -hmm. same sense that like you can tell that it comes from a place like. I'd say that Blavatsky was kind of like Harner, but you know, um, more into the Masonic uh, and the uh, mm -hmm. mystic world, mm -hmm. where Harner was more of a scientist. Mm -hmm. And uh, Blavatsky, what she talked about was um, ethereal beings. And she said that the spirits, a lot of the spirits that you want to talk to, yeah. will be what we call ethereal beings that live in ethereal realms. And she also yeah. talked about root races mm -hmm. that we human beings evolved from an etheric realm into mm -hmm. physical reality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are some etheric beings that are not happy about it. And mm, there are others yeah, okay. that are not interested. And, yeah. and so on and so forth. So this this is kind of a bit of a fundamental part of, yeah, yeah. of theosophy that I've learned in the past is, is um, understanding uh, the, the etheric uh, nature of reality and physical reality, mm -hmm. right? So um, yeah, the idea of... of of birth and death being one and the same is that idea that when you live in, when you are looking into that realm of where there is no time, mm. it's no time because everything happened at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And when you are on a Germanic journey, you can experience it yourself. Like this is, you know, there is no, no time when you go to a place, you think about a place and then you're there yeah. or yeah, it's, it's, it's like sometimes you, you feel that took like an, it felt like an hour. It was only 10 minutes or something yeah, yeah, yeah. like that. So it's, it's really interesting. Uh, it's funny. I've been, so I, I mentioned to you guys um, last week or the week prior that I've been doing a lot of intense breathing exercises mm -hmm. and where I'm, I'm doing a lot of the, the, the Wim Hof training where I'm actually um, doing, uh, I'm oxygenating my body and then mm -hmm. letting the air out of my body and just sitting there and relaxing and going into almost a meditative state. Um, and just surviving off of the oxygen that I have in me. Mm. And uh, the day before, yesterday, I made it to four minutes, 50 seconds. So I've almost cracked five minutes of being able to sit there. And I remember when I opened my eyes, I, it, it's like I said, I when I take that 
new breath of air in. I don't do it because I'm 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 going uh, uh, because I have no more oxygen in me. I, I take that breath because I feel like okay, now it's starting to become difficult to hold yeah, my breath, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So that I was able to hold my breath for almost five minutes because it was easy. Mm-hmm. But what the fact that like when I looked at the clock and I saw five minutes, I almost didn't believe that. I thought that like I, there must have been something wrong with my timer because <laughs> I it felt more like one or two minutes mm-hmm. because I was able to really take my mind. Out of it. Out of it, right? yeah. yeah. Mm. And this is the big thing is that that logical mind, to me, learning to understand the difference, as I mentioned also in previous episodes, that a great exercise, any of you guys that you can do on your own time, is try to not think in words. Try to think in pictures. Mm. Because the pictures will be instantaneous and the mm-hmm. words, like, you got to spit them mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. You already And German's a great language. Like, learning German for me was also a very great thing to build my mind. Because in German, they always put the second verb at the end of the sentence. Meaning that they need to understand how they're ending their sentence before they start it. Mm. And that's something that obviously Madeline as a native German speaker doesn't feel. (laughs) And no German really feels that. But then when you start telling them that, they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I guess so. Mm. Of course you have to know what you're talking about before you talk about it. Of course. (laughs) No, but but English speaking (laughs) English speaking people, we tend to talk for the sake of talking. It's a babble, right? Sometimes that you can start your sentence and not know where it's going until you get there. (laughs) Right? So English on a level is almost more of an intuitive language. Uh-huh. Which is cool for poetry and yeah, yeah, yeah. that I kind see. of stuff, right? Uh, music, I think this is mm-hmm. a big reason why German suffers a little bit in the music world. <laughs> True. Unless we're talking about classical music. I'm talking about music yeah, yeah, lyrically, yeah. right? I know what I mean. So yeah. uh, we got a couple other comments. Yeah. Let's go into yeah, that. Yeah, sure. And uh, so, yeah, it, it, is the, it is the connection to everything she says. So yeah. uh, we're going to go to, what is that? Twitch. Felminator. Hello, Felminator. Hello, oh, She has a lot to say. I haven't been looking. She has a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see what this, let's see this. So the f- uh, fear of death reminds me of Curable by Death. Ah, a song of mine. Yeah. Uh, because that makes me feel better whenever I'm thinking about the fear. Uh, it's funny. Um, Curable by Death is a funny song that I had uh, written uh, years ago now. But, and it's the idea that uh, it's a tongue-in-cheek way of saying that don't worry. Everything will eventually be cured. By death. Yeah, it's true. And and it's it's a way of it's 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 a tongue in cheek way of like I mentioned of saying, don't worry so much. I mean, mm-hmm. you're it's all gonna die. And and is this the state you want to die in? Because if mm-hmm. not, change it. You have yeah, the yeah, ability yeah. to. That's what makes us interesting as humans. We can choose to do right or wrong free willingly. That's mm-hmm. what that's the art of free will. Right. I, I was listening to to Crow Triple Seven the other day, and that's something that he talks about a lot. He talks about God given rights. Now Rights is a weird word to use today because people think of rights as law. Mm-hmm. But what he means is he means that you can choose to do wrong or you can choose to do good. And that is in you. That's your free will. And that's God-given, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. it's not like like when you're born, it's not like you you don't have that ability. Of course you do. You always yeah, yeah. you can choose to never breathe again if you don't want to. It's it's probably not uh, going to work out for you in the long run, but mm. uh, you can do that, mm-hmm. and and so this is one of those ideas, right? Of uh, maybe sometimes to just look at things a little bit objectively, in order to experience it better subjectively. Mm-hmm. And I say that in the sense that you're going to die. Everything around you will die. Everything will rot. Everything will decay, decompose, rust, yeah, whatever yeah. you want to say. Um, everything's finite to a degree, right? And it, and that's that that's that weird uh, you know yin yang the finite in the infinite mm. right so next comment um, <laughs> she says uh, have you communicated with spirits yet Maddie 
You mean right now or? <laughs> no, I mean, have you ever communicated directly with spirits? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Like what I think yeah. the, she's not, I think the uh, what Felmayer maybe hasn't um, understood at the time of writing that thing is that everything has a spirit. Yeah, everything has a spirit, and so we're not so just, just like we're not just talking about like dead people. <laughs> we're not just talking about <laughs> ghosts and ethereal beings. Yeah, we're talking no, about no. the spirit of everything. And, and can yeah. you explain why that's important? The spirit of of, of an object, a, a rock. What is it, and why is that important in the shamanic uh, worldview? Well, um, first of all, that they also have, you know, specifically when they're in the in the middle world, they have also their own agenda, you know, like the the trees and the plants and the animals. But usually, specifically, plants and animals are also having a very compassionate. Um, they 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 are very how do you say like um, they're happy when you communicate with them. We humans. Yeah. And I feel everything in, in nature is actually really, uh, really mm, helping and, mm -hmm. and open. You know, many, many spirits I've, I've encountered on, in, from the natural world yeah. are very happy when you talk to them because, you know, people just don't do it anymore. <laughs> right. And it's like, oh, it's nice. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 I, I absolutely did. And the first, the first encounter was with my spirit animal. The first you know, spirit I was really talking to. And it was such a nice thing because before I knew what my spirit animal was, I saw him in a dream, that animal. Yeah. So vivid. It was a beautiful um, picture where I was little and that animal was just sitting in front of me. And I remember in that dream, I felt so safe. I felt so happy. Mm -hmm. I felt so at home. And then a couple of weeks later, I found out what my spirit animal was and how, you know, how you communicate with, with, with your spirit animal. And once you know that this animal is there, you can feel it. Every time you're in the moment, you can feel it's sitting right next to me. Yep. It, it's following me. It, it's, you know, now it's in my car with me. <laughs> it's just like as, as, as a child, I had all these stuffed animals with me. And for me, they were real. They were my friends. They, I talked to them <laughs> yeah. and then I, they even answered me, you know, yeah. and it was the same thing just for me now knowing that I'm not making this all up. It's real. It's funny how yeah. uh, I've heard that many times that we lose this yeah. connection. Yeah, we have it as kids. Right? You just, you know, just leave it. Let let the kids, um, let the children work with it already from their childhood, you know, that yeah. would make their lives so much richer than losing it again, going back, finding it again. Yeah. Can, can you explain what is then the, the scientific framework? Because this is something that you mentioned before on how the scientific framework doesn't allow this mm -hmm. type of information into the realm of science. Why, why is that? What is the science framework? Well, that you have to get your data from a reliable source, which means you have to collect them yourselves mm -hmm. with your senses. You know, you have to see stuff, you have to observe things. You have but to you've measure. mentioned that your probability of, of success has been so much higher collecting yeah. data through the shamanic studies Absolutely. than actually uh, through radar tracking, for example. Well, the first thing is that, you know, if you don't accept that spirit exists, every data, every experience that you make based on that is not, it's not worth anything. Right. Because, you know, if you, this is the first assumption. If you assume that when I'm observing my rabbits, that my, my eyes are not working well, <laughs> you're not crusting my data, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I see things double or, <laughs> and, and that's how, how they see it. When you are some assuming that there are spirits out there, something must be wrong with you. So you can't be trusted. 
Right. That's how I felt there, it. So there's and something, I saw it myself like that. You know, it took me a couple of years I, to that's really the, prob- the biggest myself. hurdle. Yeah. To tell a child that yeah. is easy. And I think this is why it's, it's very easy yeah. in a natural culture. And this is yeah. why the empirical culture I find to be so dangerous is because in a natural culture, the child says, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And it yeah. just goes with it and learns from there and develops this huge yeah. spiritual platform yeah. at a very young age because of how easy it is to connect that way. Yeah, it's natural. And you just tell the kid, you know what? This is not real. Spirits don't exist. Yeah. And right? it's like, okay, well then, you know, that's I'm like just making all that. Yeah, that. ghosts kind of thing. don't exist, that kind of thing. And that's it. And then you're out of the game. So um, <laughs> so I guess the the idea of the, uh, the scientific uh, framework is, you know, I mean, look, for me, the scientific framework is... is um, Hypothesis, experiment, yeah. results, conclusion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, um, um, yeah. What's the what's the other word? Is that like discussion? The, 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 yeah, and that's all the that. statement. Discussion. Yeah, exactly. Discussion. And yeah. so the during the exp- like what well, I guess the scientific framework has an issue with is the actual data collection within the experimental process. Yeah. Well, you can also just you know put it that way. My hypothesis, for example, spirit exists. Spirit exists. That was yeah. my hypothesis. So I went out collect data and I realized, yeah, my hypothesis is right because everything that I experienced on that level points towards that point that spirits do exist. Yeah. yeah. Until you've received Yeah. yeah. And there's otherwise. nothing nothing on the way that I picked up that would not confirm this assumption. Mm. Yeah. And uh yeah, but I don't I can't give you an answer why people <laughs> you know reject that. Well, again, I think that a big part of it is fear. That yeah, it's a big thing because a lot of people, I think, true. are deep down afraid to reconnect <clears throat> to their inner child because they've destroyed it a long time ago and they don't want to bring it back. Because with yeah. connect, with trying to reconnect to your inner child, you're reconnecting to your inner um, anxieties yeah, of being time, a child. Yeah, you know the bad things that happened. Yeah. Uh, that 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 you know maybe you uh, fell from a ladder and, and, and or you're down the stairs and now you don't like heights. You know, yeah. these kind of things define yeah. that origin. I think that through the shamanic practice, from what I've seen, it's like the idea of of constantly going head on mm. to your childhood traumas is essential to yeah. actually develop yourself as a shamanistic practitioner. Absolutely. I mean, you really you really have to put in the work if you want to want to progress on that. You mm-hmm. know, I, I I had many times. Well, well, let, let me put it that way. When I was sixteen, something my cat died back then. And that was when I had my first experience that freaked me out on a shamanic level yeah. because my cat was, you know, it was gone. And I had a dream about him a couple of days later when he, when he was gone. And then I woke up through a weird noise when, you know, when the telephone and the radio have interferences, yeah. you know, that noise, like that weird noise. I woke up from that and I was like, ah, damn it. I forgot to take off the, you know, the, the power from my radio station mm-hmm. and so i woke up i wanted to take the power off and i realized wait a minute the the radio was not on at all so that sound came from somewhere but obviously not from the source i thought yeah and then i felt the presence of my cat so so intense that it freaked me the hell out <laughs> and i i thought like well i don't want to have anything to do with this yeah. anymore because it scares me so much Instead you know, of wanting to be... Yeah, instead yeah. of opening myself up and communicating with him, I was like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> yeah, and that's that and fear. I, I shut down completely. And I really say, I don't want to have anything to do with this. And that moment, mm. I really, you know, I really excluded myself from that world because yeah. spirits just say, okay, well, if you don't want to have anything to do with us, well, well then we don't bother you anymore. Yeah. And so it took Imagine me another... Imagine how small you've made yourself in that moment. Absolutely. It took me another 14, 14 years 
where I came to a point, I shut myself up from that world so much that I couldn't go on anymore. And I was mm. forced actually really to open up again in order to live a happier life. And now I can see, you know, I can, I know how to handle these kind of situations. Sometimes I still get a little freaked out by things, but that's how you learn through the education, how to handle mm. stuff like that. You know, if you encounter a spirit that makes you a little weird, what can you do? And there's always protection for you there. There's yeah. nothing that can harm you in a way that it's it's bad. You know, if something happens to you, then it has always something to do with yourself. Yeah, of course. Then maybe there is, a, you know, like a spirit encountering you, pointing towards something that, you know, you maybe you lost a spirit, uh, part of your soul and now you have a hole in there. And so that spirit kind of, takes mm. place in it and then you feel like you feel a little off then you go to another shaman that takes it off and you know it's always about yeah. progress and even um also for um the the shamans and then the cultural uh, context yeah they also have to face these challenges and how 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 do you want to help someone if you're not stable yourself mm. first you have to ground yourself and you know you really have to become whole as a person mm. Also taking your ego out of the game. And that's what I can see pretty m a lot in, in Germany right now because the topic is everywhere, I feel. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be a big one right it, now. It, it's big. It's big. And when I say, you know, I'm not going around saying, well, I'm a shamanic practitioner or anything like that. But sometimes I meet people who have that come from that yeah. area and they tell me, oh, I did that. And, I'm, I'm, you know, I know I'm, no, I'm a shaman. That's already the first thing I'm kind of stepping back is like, oh, <laughs> that they they push their ego through it and that can become really dangerous because then they they think you know i am doing all mm -hmm. this you as a shaman you don't you, you do shit yeah 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 the, the spirits you're, you're just do the intermediary it. you yeah, are yeah. just uh, well not shit but you know yeah, I get it. <laughs> you are you are the person um, channel. you're your channel and yeah. and you're just you just uh you're bringing the messages from one from place a to place b hmm. Of course, there is a big responsibility to it, but the credits are somewhere else. And mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> there's a there's yeah. a German um, saying that I hear a lot on the job site, and I'm sure you've heard this from your family. Uh, I'm going to translate it to English and see if you know what I'm talking oh, oh. about. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, they often say, "Pain is life." You'll know that you have no more pain because you're dead, or that uh, don't worry about it. Uh, pain will stop when you're dead, right? Yeah. So read the German expression like when when the top is das, das Leben ist Schmerzen or das you know yeah. and and then they'll say yeah when the top is uh, uh, tut es nicht mehr weh like yeah, I, I, there are a whole of. bunch of different ways that I've heard this nice. on jobs <laughs> you get this a lot from like people who are uh, uh, tradesmen and stuff like that mm -hmm. that they say uh, you know life has to hurt yeah. and it, life has to hurt and if it stops hurting it's because you're dead mm. that's that's so they, that that's kind of a way of uh, it's a it's a bad it's, it's a funny thing because on one side there's actually some nice philosophy in there but on the other side the way that they say it on the job sites that i often hear is more um you know this leben muss wehtun is what i often hear mm -hmm. and, and the way the reason why they say that is they kind of like say that i have a backache I don't feel good. Yeah, I'm, I'm working un, I, hard here. I'm working hard. Yeah, it means that it means yeah, that yeah. this is life. Life yeah, yeah. is supposed to be difficult, and life is supposed to be stressful. It's just a belief system, right? It's a bad belief system. It's a very bad belief system. But, but I, I have the same. My parents are the same, like yeah. that. You know, like working themselves almost to death. Yeah. <laughs> so hard, yeah. and that's how they learn it. If you're not, 
if you don't feel the burden of life, then you're doing something yeah. wrong. And I have the same, like I was always, you know, pushing <laughs> if you myself. you don't feel the burden of life, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I'm That's feeling, awful. I'm pushing myself or I pushed myself so hard over the last years in many different ways, believing yeah, that this is the way it should be, right? And also the shamanic work showed me that things can be really easy, which again, doesn't mean that you don't encounter um problems anymore i wouldn't even call them problems it's more like a what's the house bottom like a, a challenge a challenge yeah. i i see things as a challenge you know to grow and this is also something that nature and shamanism has um have in common in in nature everything is flowing everything mm. wants to grow and and uh, evolve and there's always a, a healthy equilibrium a healthy yeah. dynamic and uh, balance everywhere and with the the shamanism I can see it as a the same thing. It's part of of that natural process mm -hmm. that things wants to want to be in in balance. And you can feel if something's wrong within you, you know, your body is not in balance, you are sick, and then you have that burden. Mm -hmm. It's just a sign for you that something is out of balance. And then with these shamanic practices, you can bring back into balance, which doesn't mean that, you know, this is the only way to do it. Yeah. But I from myself and I tried a lot, a lot of stuff, that was the most effective way to do it. Yeah. And, you know, indigenous tribes all over the, the world doing it for thousands of years shows you something to it. Something's going <laughs> on, right. Yeah. So there's uh, there's something I wanted to also touch on is um, you talk a lot about the shamanic um, journey. Yes. Journeying. Yeah. Um, explain that a little bit because that seems to be a very key element to at least the core shamanism from Michael Harner. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a one of the key tools as a shamanic practitioner that you learn right in the beginning because a shamanic journey allows you to journey mm -hmm. uh, into these different worlds, into the different realms, the upper and the lower world, also in the middle world that you can connect with the spirits, and then also on these journeys you gather information. Yeah, and you you already can you know like um, the healing can start on on mm -hmm. that uh, journeying. So it's a it's a very important key part of the shamanic work mm -hmm. and with time you learn more and more how to navigate in these realms yep. and also to concentrate you you know to work very focused and the yep. shamanic journey always has a purpose you know you always journey with an intention i mean intention you mm -hmm. have an intention in the beginning and you know where to go and it's it's not like well, you can also just go for yeah. discovering reasons. You know, and energy you flows a, where attention goes is what they say. Yeah, well, you, you have a question, for example, you know, like I have a pain in my shoulder. What can I do in order to fix it? Mm -hmm. Where does it come from? Something like that. And with that intention, you go on a shamanic journey and you get the information and you always go direct. So the know? shamanic journey, I mean, just for layman's, it's it's more of a meditation. It's more than that. I... I think the best way to compare it is with uh, a dream, but mm -hmm. it's it's a dream that is conscious and you are yeah. conscious and you exactly know where to go. You experience the dream and you can guide yeah. through the dream, but you're not dreaming. But it's the same yeah. it's the same kind of feeling it has to it. Right. And meditation, I think, is more you are still very very present in the in the in the room for me at least. You know, yeah. you can still feel. Your environment with a shamanic journey, you are really somewhere else. Like, although your body is here, you are very much into different areas. But also, 
I think that comes with time and practice. Um, it's it's sometimes also very easy already to switch between these roams. You know, sometimes yeah. I'm I'm in the in my car driving and I already feel like, whoops, I'm I'm a different. <laughs> you know, I'm in the Apple world right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, that that's comes that comes with time. These kind of things where it's easy for you to switch between the different worlds. So yeah. there's uh, this immediately to me it speaks of a couple things that I've learned in the past. Yeah. And, um, I'm not going to talk about exactly where I got this information right now. It's not 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 the most important part, uh, but I want to talk about astral voyaging because this is another term for something very similar to your shamanic practicing. Yeah. But uh, the the journey that you practice with mm -hmm. your shamanistic practices. Yeah. And uh, astral voyage is the idea that you have your body mm -hmm. and you have your astral body. Yeah. And that your astral body can leave your body. Yeah. Go anywhere at you know, in an instant, yeah. gather information, yeah. have a vacation, whatever, and come back. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Sounds the, very similar to a yeah. shamanic journey. <laughs> and so the way that I learned this is also that um, astral voyaging happens in sleep. Yeah. When, sometimes whether yeah. you want it or not. Yeah. And I've heard from a few people who have done this, uh, where they've, what some people even say, they, they've left their body, mm -hmm. um, is that, that uh, and there are a lot of great resources out there for how to do this, but there are a lot of uh, how can I say this? There are very few resources out there that I've seen how to do this um, wisely. Yeah, and and so this Basically. is why I, yeah, that's why I don't want to talk about the resources too much. But I just want to just put it together because it's a mm -hmm. very similar concept, and mm -hmm. I think this is probably a big reason why. Um, core shamanism doesn't talk about it this way because core shamanism is more of a path of enrichment. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is something that I've, I've come across over and over again using astral voyaging um, it, for many different ways. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in many cases, very uh, malevolent ways, like uh, for, for bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's interesting because uh, there are governments all over the planet that have um, military assets, mm -hmm. groups of people mm -hmm. that do astral voyaging in order to gather intelligence. And I'll give I you see, a couple yeah. examples. Um, in the US, like, I mean, the big classic one that we heard of was that they ended up using a, 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 what they call clairvoyant is another mm -hmm. term that they use for this type. Of, uh, they, they used a group of clairvoyant seers in order to like find uh, um, um, Osama bin Laden and, and Saddam Hussein. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, this is something that they, they told us uh, in, in the media back um, mm -hmm. in 2000s and all that, right? And uh, the other one we learned in school is that in the Nazi time, that they had the best map drawers because their map drawers were clairvoyants. Mm -hmm. I met a man when I was uh, younger in Canada, mm -hmm. uh, and he was an ex-Polish, so Prussian... Um, um, soldier and he was he was a part of the uh, of the Nazi mm -hmm. Reich mm -hmm. and what he was doing is he was he was a map drawer and so it was his job to uh leave his body astrally and to see the coastline and come back and draw it on oh, a yeah. table yeah. and so this was something that's very interesting because a lot of people talk about you know the occult uh theories behind the Nazi empire and this is something that is not spoken of enough mm -hmm. is that the Nazis did not call any of this shamanistic information woo-woo <laughs> or, or, or not scientific. And it, they did, knew and about it, it completely yeah. fit into their scientific yeah. uh, uh, paradigm yeah. and framework. And for this reason, this was one of the biggest reasons why they say they had the best maps was because they were, they had, they, they were using the, uh, the assets of 
spiritual mm-hmm. uh, astral voyaging, which mm-hmm. is interesting because it wasn't until after the fall of the Third Reich that um, that the Americans and the British saw this in their artillery Mm. and decided to readapt it. So Mm -hmm. when they, after the Nuremberg trials and they got a lot of the soldiers out uh, or the the scientists out of Germany and and put into the workforce Mm -hmm. in uh, in France and in England and in in the US, um, this was a part of it. There's a huge department. Uh, I can't remember what it was called, but it was a huge department they made just on the the supernatural for this reason, because the Nazis, uh, they, they credited so much of their technology to the supernatural, mm. the ability to yeah. make all these things. A lot of them said they channeled the the information. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so this is it's really interesting when you now start talking about astral voyaging and channeling and clairvoyancy. Um, it it's funny to me because there are clear proofs in the last hundred years of military using this as an asset mm. when it works for them because mm-hmm. they know that on the probability side it works. Yeah. And. Um, Anyway, so on and so forth. I didn't want to go too deep into it, but I just want to say that there is a, a, a link there. And yeah. So the way that I've learned it is also that um, you've—I know a couple people, you included, that have had outer body experiences. Yeah. An outer body experience is an uncontrolled astral voyage, from what I've heard. It's it's your spirit leaving the body yeah. because of a trauma, usually. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Mm-hmm. And coming back afterwards, uh, yeah. my father uh, had died a couple times, and during one of his deaths, he uh, was above himself in the operating mm-hmm. table mm-hmm. and was able to see a lot more than uh, you know someone who had his eyes closed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and so on and so forth. So, uh, do you want to share your experience a little bit today, or? Sure, I can. I mean, it was very. Um, intense situation in my my parents' home place. Like my grandma, she had a lot of traumatic, mm-hmm. you know, traumatic energy, I would say, from, yeah, from the time when she war. was, yeah, from the yeah. world while a lot of horrible things happened to her. And so she was always very nervous. And also when my grandpa died, she she was on medication because she was so nervous. She called him his name all the time. So, but by that, she kind of drove the whole family nuts and my mother as well because she wanted to help her. And so she, my, my grandma had a nervous breakdown. My mother had a nervous breakdown because of that. And <laughs> yeah. then, I, as a kid, I think I was around 10, 11, I had a nervous breakdown as well. And my body somehow couldn't, or my my, my spirit somehow couldn't handle the pressure. It was too much. I, yeah. I really remember the moment where I kind of separated myself from my body. I went up in the room. I, I was under the, the ceiling and I really looked down to myself. The whole people just, you know, shivering and, and, and crying. And it was a horrible picture. Mm. But I was I was safe up there. You know, I felt peaceful. Yeah. peaceful. And it was just a couple moments I saw my dad, how he hold me, you know, try to to calm me down because you're hyperventilating yeah. in that moment and trying to grasp grasp air. And the next moment I remember it was when I was back in my room with my dad. Mm. So he kind of brought me up and the whole thing in between, I, I don't yeah. remember anymore. But, and the same experience I had also a couple of times to shamanic journey. I remember mm. the one journey I did to the point of, of death. It, that was the same the same energy of very peaceful a peaceful place mm-hmm. so where everything is just all right yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah maybe that truth uh, realm perhaps yeah probably yeah mm-hmm. i was listening to art bell back in the 90s and he had a story about this where he was completely logical his whole life he was a uh, ex military he was a a disc jockey and mm-hmm. then he made this <laughs> 
he made this uh, um, um, Coast to Coast program mm-hmm. because he originally wanted to call it Ghost to Ghost because he just wanted to kind of like made a, <laughs> make a radio station that was like uh, ghost stories at a campfire, but on over the air, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and after midnight, ghost very important. <laughs> and so he was based out of um, um, Pahrump, Nevada, which is right near Las Vegas. And uh, he said that he remembers the one time where he had an experience that he just <clears throat> couldn't deny it anymore. Mm-hmm. He sat down in a chair like you're sitting in. Mm. He just went to go sit down. And as soon as he sat down in the chair, it was just, he was in Paris, actually. Mm-hmm. He went on vacation with his wife. And he was just, he says that he believes the reason why this happened was because he just was so relaxed because yeah. he was on vacation. <laughs> everything was planned. He was able to let go of everything. Yeah. And in that moment where he just sat down and let go and just, bleh, right, yeah. let it all out. <laughs> all of a sudden, he was like a, a kilometer in the air floating over Paris. Ah, nice. <laughs> and, and he started looking around and found it amazing. And as soon as he was like, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. He snapped back, back into his body mm-hmm. and he's in his body. And all of a sudden he's like, whoa. And <laughs> and he said the experience, you know, maybe it only lasted a few seconds. He doesn't truly know, but um, it changed him forever because it's not something he could unremember. No, it's not something can. he can just you put can. to the back yeah. of his mind and say that 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 that's science fiction. It yeah. never happened. Yeah, it's true. And then so from there on in, he realized he loves the fact that he had the experience, but he doesn't think he he can ever do it again. He's died. He's dead now. But he mm. says at the time he said he doesn't think he has the ability to let go on that level. Mm. To let go so profoundly <laughs> that you can let go of your physical body, right? That's also many people say when you know they have their first Germanic journey, they're so clinging on logic. Oh, will I do everything right? So that yeah. nothing really happens in the first couple times. Of course. <laughs> but once you are, once you can just like relax more into it and you're not, not so focused on the outcome, mm-hmm. it, it's get easier um, time by time. And this yeah. is why shamans are appointed and not self uh, appointed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Because it, it's one of these things like only people can really truly see from their point of view that you can do these things because they can yeah. see that you're relaxed. They can feel that you're you're wise, you know? Absolutely. They 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 see, you know, when you are very grounded yourself and yeah. your content. And I mean it's important to to, yeah. to pick the right person if if you go there to to seek answers not only for your own, you know, health and all yeah. that, but for the community, it's it's crucial to yeah. find the right person. There we go. So astral voyaging and uh, mm. shamanic journeying, I always found to be very similar in in, yeah. in, in essence, right? Yeah. Uh, I love the idea of astral voyaging. Um, I myself believe that I've experienced that in sleep state. Yeah. And this yeah. is one of those yeah. ideas that True. in a state of sleep, you can leave your body and that for many people, uh, this happens. And mm. um, people who have, uh, like myself, I have lucid dreams constantly my whole mm. life uh, i know some people i've talked to they said they don't they never remembered a dream in their life and i'm thinking mm. are you a robot <laughs> like it's the weirdest thing to me yeah. to talk to someone who doesn't remember any of their dreams right yeah, yeah um and, and and maybe it has to do with being able to let go and you know all this kind of stuff right also practice and you really open yourself up to that what i yeah. like is actually also a so-called divination technique is mm-hmm. before you go to sleep you can you know have a question yeah. and you take it with it with your sleep and in, into your dream and you get pictures or answers or something like yeah. that and then you can a technique that i learned was to look at your hand uh oh, yeah. before yeah, me going too. to bed me too in yeah. order to reality check reality yeah. check so that when yeah. you're in uh, the dream state yeah. you can uh, tell yourself 
okay, this is my hand, but it's not exactly my hand, and therefore yeah. I know I'm dreaming. Yeah. And now you can take care, you can take control of the dream and then start going where you want to go. Just like the shamanic journey, yeah, you can start true. to actually ask questions in your dream yeah. while you're dreaming because you're you're, you're communicating on yeah, that yeah. level with yourself Freakest eternally. thing. I tried that once too. Yeah, <laughs> it, it really does work. I've done this yeah. quite a few times. And yeah. um, it's funny because I've noticed there are certain times in my life where I can't do this. And mm -hmm. it just has to do with my environment, my stress, and all that stuff. Yeah. But other yeah, yeah, yeah. times, in my life where I've let go yeah. of a lot, I, I allow it to happen. Yeah. Which comes to my next part. Um, a big part, I think, about the shamanic study, and this is something that maybe as well is not so well respected in the scientific world. I want to come back to maybe finding some positive things about the scientific world. Like, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna get there. I think that yeah, I, I think yeah, that you yeah. can't throw it out entirely. No, but no, no. The big thing I wanted to talk about was really shamanism versus biology or even you know science in general mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It, it, it's a very important thing to look at because we are starting to see at least Madeline is seeing this in her life I've witnessed this and experienced this personally in my life that science is catching up to it and I can give you classic mm -hmm, examples mm -hmm. of that as well which we can go into later um, I mean like the ayahuasca idea I yeah, find that yeah, to be yeah. amazing that yeah. the plants told them that this is going to work and so when science says, how did you find these two ingredients of all these millions of different plants to create this and know it was going to be yeah, safe yeah. and work? The way they have to put it together, it's so complex. Yeah. Right. So this is idea of channeled information, like yeah. a gift from the, uh, yeah. the etheric realm. The so uh, intuition mm. is a huge one. Synchronicity is mm -hmm. another big mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like to look at, you know, the shamanic traveling and the idea of having questions answered by spirits almost uh, as, as a form of developing an intuitive muscle. Mm -hmm. Because it's a part of, intuition is like something where, uh, for me, letting go mm. and intuitively making a decision without logically overthinking it. And and knowing yeah. that, and, and believing that this is going to work, this is the best way to do it. And it yeah. does work. Yeah. And the more you do this, the more you build that muscle of intuition and more synchronicities tend to happen. Yeah. The way right? I see it is um, as everything has a spirit, so you, you, you know, mm -hmm. you have a spirit. And once you're in, con in, in connection, of course, you can ask your own spirit about stuff. Sure. You know, and uh, then this is the intuition where you can already feel the right answer. And what I also realized over the last years that... Some, you know, for example, someone comes to me and says, you know, Madeline, I have a problem. Can you do a shamanic journey yeah. or just help me? I already get a feeling, right, from the beginning. What's the topic? What is it about? You know, and then sometimes I take a card and look at it. Yeah. And then I do the shamanic journey. And in most cases, the the feeling that I had at the beginning is confirmed by, by the spirits because I can already feel the energy. You know, I can already feel where it's going, where it comes from. Yep. I, and I can see that person. I can see maybe, you know, there's like a, we, we need a soul retrieval or something like that because you can already have the that feeling to it. And this with my everyday life where I'm really, I feel very guided yeah. by my own spirit, but also by my spirit animals and my, my teachers that I don't have to be on a shamanic journey for me to get answers. I can just like have the shortcut, you know, it's like, yeah. hey guys, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have a problem here. What can I do? <laughs> um, there's something that I'd like to do a show on in the future. And that is about the Celestine Prophecy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because that was a mm. book that came to me in the 90s that I, I've read many times. And uh, I'll tell you, one thing that uh, the, the the author James Redfield says in there is that um, synchronicity is kind of the universe's way of tapping you on the shoulder yeah. and saying, 
this this is real. Just yeah. flow with it. Yeah, and, yeah. and a good it's example nice. is is you mm. with your um, experience in Japan. Mm-hmm. How um, you know you were just learning about uh, the idea mm-hmm. of shamanism, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden here you are in a in, in a in a profoundly life changing shamanistic experience. Yeah, within in a, in a couple of months, right? Right. So, yeah. And so this is a synchronicity level where Absolutely. you think of something yeah. and then it manifests itself, and the, yeah. and and you have as as a as a as a being. Yeah. The choice to acknowledge it or to say, nah, it's bullshit. Yeah. And, and what that means is like, you know, you think to yourself, uh, uh, today something great is going to happen. And then it does happen, right? And and yeah. this becomes, like I was saying, is from the way that James Redfield explains it in the Celestine Prophecy is that acknowledging synchronicities is the beginning to your path of intuition. Yeah, yeah. Right? Also, as you remember, you know, when you said people say it's only life when it's hard, mm-hmm. I think when it's hard, these are more signs that yeah. you are on the wrong path. Synchronicities are yeah. signs that you're, you're on, on the, the right, right path. Absolutely. Because it makes things easy. It makes things flow. Another right. maybe another example. When I when I got the job um, the offer for my first book, you know, writing a book, something that I really enjoyed and obviously really something where I where I now say it's part of my life purpose because yeah. I enjoy doing it. I went there and and you know with the agency and had my first appointment mm-hmm. and it was about the rabbits, the the you know the shitting rabbits from my <laughs> my PhD and I looked at the I, I was I was ringing the bell for the agency the literary agency for my appointment mm-hmm. and the next sign underneath was the rabbit company and I was ah. like wait a minute a rabbit company <laughs> so the rabbit let me you know another step there like yeah. I, as if these rabbits were just like all around me <laughs> yeah, yeah, guiding yeah. me to the next thing i had to laugh really hard but the, that's the idea of the synchronicity yeah. uh, it, it's all around us and it's i think that us, yeah. to to when look when we really talk about hard science hard science is really has a lot to do with the probability of something occurring. And when synchronicities tend to put themselves, like for me, when I was younger, all I had to do was leave my home and walk in a direction and eventually I'll run into someone I know. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you know, if we had nothing to do, I'd say, well, let's go this way. Yeah. And then we'd find something to do and, or it would present itself to us. Yeah. And, and it just always kind of, the more we relaxed into things, the, mm. the easier it became and the, and the better our adventure of life was. Well, I also see it that way. If you plan everything in your life, you have a strict schedule, you know, there is no room for right. life to happen the way it, it wants to happen. Yeah. So if you open yourself up and create space and room, then things can come yeah. in. Well, I'll give you a couple examples examples of synchronicities in my life. Yeah. Uh, the biggest one for me was when I decided to move to Germany, mm. right? As a as a citizen, I knew I could come here and I wouldn't have an issue with uh, visas or any of that stuff. Yeah. And I figured to myself, I'd be an idiot if I didn't at least go there for a little bit and try specifically because at the time I wanted, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I wanted to study chemistry at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Right? And uh, it's very expensive in North America to yeah. go to university. And I figured I've got a citizenship, you know, valid citizenship in Europe where education's free. Yeah. Right. For well, the most part, close at least to not ex- as expensive. Right? I mean, so. essentially, you pay your your tuition fees over here, and that yeah. includes bus fare, you know, and it's the like books. Three hundred fifty euros per semester. Right. It's crazy, and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and and so it's one of these things where I, I figured, okay, I got to try it, and I was also trying to rekindle my um, 
my relationship with my family. Well, my, my father was adopted. And for this reason, I, I wanted to kind of rekindle that, uh, that, that, uh, long lost, uh, yeah. uh, family. Right. Yeah. And so when I, when I came here, it was amazing to me that I had no reason to come to Berlin. Actually, I knew that the family that I have is in a place that's between um, uh, Würzburg and uh, Frankfurt, mm -hmm. uh, which is in the northern North part. It's, it's the southern part of Germany, but the northern part of the south of Germany. And um, so I had no reason to come to Berlin other than uh, in 2007, I came here on vacation and I thought Berlin was a very interesting place. And I, I got a good vibe from it. There was yeah. something about it that just hit me on a certain level. I didn't know what it was. And I figured I got to go back there to figure out what that is. That mm. was actually my driving force for coming to Berlin mm. is I felt something. It was inviting. Mm -hmm. And I knew I had to go back for more. Mm -hmm. And that's it. I mean, it wasn't something I could easily logically explain to people. So I just didn't. Right? Yeah, it yeah, just, yeah. Uh, there was no reason. And um, I moved here. And lo and behold, I rekindled my relationship to my family in the South. I mm -hmm. went down there a couple of times. I met, uh, you know, all these different relatives that I didn't know I had. And then we start pulling out the old papers, you know, the books, mm -hmm. the, 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 the histories, right? To find out where because I was trying to figure out where my my grandmother went, what happened to her, because there was no uh, certificate of death. Mm -hmm. She was uh, kind of a nomad, so she traveled a lot, and uh, nobody knows what happened to her. Mm. And uh, there's no certificate of death for her in Germany. Mm -hmm. And so I thought to myself, well, maybe I'll do that. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll go to the, uh, the, the city hall over here, and I'll try to have them generate a certificate of death because it didn't exist. And, uh, you know, a side note is like there was a couple thousand euros in an inheritance bin that I could have got. Wasn't the reason. It would have cost more money to actually declare her dead than, yeah. than what I would have been inheriting. But yeah, I figured yeah. it would have been cool <laughs> to set that circle straight, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, as I'm looking through this, I find out that my grandmother lived not 10-minute walk from where I randomly moved to in Berlin. Um before my father was born. Hmm. And it was very interesting because uh, she only lived outside of Bavaria twice in her life. Mm -hmm. And that was where I randomly moved to. <laughs> and then later on where she gave birth to my father and mm -hmm. then moved back to Bavaria and left him there in an orphanage. And so it was really, like to me, that was that synchronicity where I realized, okay, there's something very deep and profound that had just happened and I needed yeah. to experience. Yeah. I need to understand or experience more to figure out where it's going to bring me, right? All these years later, I'm here now. <laughs> but, but, you know, but it's just like I said, it's the, the driving force behind it to me was synchronicity and intuition, nothing else. I would even say, you know, like that the way your life is set up in the first years and all that, you know, is already, as I said, set up for what's coming. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, you having the French citizenship, you know, being able to go to Germany and then, experiencing all of this so yeah. I, I that's I also also look for myself you know what is it that's already there like who's your family what kind of talents do you have and yeah. these things will already tell you what to do and where to go in your life if you pay attention and listen if you pay attention yeah, yeah. attention <laughs> <laughs> right sure yeah so I'm losing my words here kind of. <laughs> yeah. so um let's talk about enrichment that was something that i wanted to talk about before because uh you mentioned that as well when you mentioned um discovering the concept of the shamanistic practice yeah 
while being a biologist, specifically while on a, a conference, and then it just presented itself yeah, yeah, to yeah, you. Yeah. And then through that little experience, then further on later, it enriched your life on a level that mm-hmm. perhaps you were seeking originally through science. And science, yeah. uh, because science is what I mentioned before, science today is an empirical empire. Mm-hmm. It's not a natural empire anymore in the mm-hmm. way that I think that the scientific um, um, institution of today is mm-hmm. a product of empire. And it's a product of empire because it it doesn't move with the human soul anymore, mm. right? It's very yeah. stagnant, and it and it and it uh, it's actually quite the opposite. In many ways, it's used to attack the human spirit. Yeah, and uh, you perhaps like that was my reason for going into chemistry when I was younger. Is I wanted to 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 pursue this this uh, I want this enrichment in my life, right? And I loved chemistry for that reason, but the more I got involved in the scholastic system, mm. the more I realized it was not enriching my life anymore. Yeah. And so I ran away from that yeah, and I yeah. went to a different field, right? Yeah. I, I went into uh, um, system integrations and uh, building yeah. um, automation and all that stuff, which I loved because it, it yeah. fed my creativity on a level that I was not going to get in the scholastic environment, right? Yeah. So for you, with the enrichment idea, uh, would you say that that's what happened? Is that you were looking for an enrichment, you followed biology, but then you found it through shamanism? I would say so. I mean, as I said, my intention to become a biologist was to understand nature and the world, you know, in in a, in a context to understand yeah. how everything works. And I I felt like I studied everything. I have no more questions that biology <laughs> would be able to answer me on that level no. that the 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 shamanic. The shamanism can, because with the shamanism, I'm going onto a much deeper level and I'm getting answers to questions that I was never able to ask the, the, you know, the science world. (laughs) I I think of it like uh, I see a lot of scientists, specifically biologists, Mm. who they go into it with that exact same pretense. Yeah. And then they end up in a basement torturing little animals. And it's amazing to really, like, if you really look at that from uh, even a, 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 a point of view of mysticism or any type of spirituality, you're looking for a connection to life and eventually you have all these demons Mm. constantly approaching you. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I don't want to go all biblical on this, but like similar to the way that it's it's explained in the Bible when Jesus is wandering through the desert and the devil Mm. approaches him and says, hey, join me and all of this could be yours. I'll make you the king yeah, of yeah. everything. And and that was it. Um, and it's the same thing you see in the scientific world. You go there on your own path and you constantly are are, are derailed by saying, hey, if you just sell your soul a little bit mm. here and there, you'll do better. Yeah. And eventually you sell so much of it that there's nothing left. Yeah. And the, all, the only thing that you can do is to make ends meet by, by creating misery and death, by torture. All right. That's this, it, it sounds very brutal, but that's what I've seen. And this is where, to me, biology utterly failed. It, not just biology, but science yep. utterly failed humanity is that it, it inevitably, because it's a product of empire today, mm. goes in this direction and ends up in a place of turmoil that uh, is very difficult to dismantle, right? Yeah, well, it also disconnects you from from yourself and from the from this kind of, you know, like the 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 universe at all it disconnects you like 
for me, I became sick because I pushed myself so hard. I felt the competition in science. Everyone told me, you know, if you want to yeah. succeed, you have yeah, to right. publish, you have to work 24 hours. Is there competition in shamanism? <laughs> <laughs> well, I right? haven't seen anything any yet. Right? <laughs> no, it's it's not about that, right? It's not about achieving anything. It's just really connecting to mm. the spirits. It's, um, it's, it's a completely different approach. But yeah. within the scientific world, I work my ass off for, you know, just to, to be part of it. All I wanted to was just to be accepted and to be um, seen mm. as something valuable. So so I had to work my ass off to, yeah. to deliver that value to yeah. um, a a system that didn't care at all about me. Yeah. And with the shamanic work, I do feel the that my compassionate spirits, my compassionate allies, they care deeply yeah. about my well-being and the, about the well-being of every everything around us. And to 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 give you know to be able to um, contribute that the world is really comes back into balance and not throwing it out of balance. So yeah. it's complete opposite, actually. Yeah, yeah uh, so there's there's the idea of instant gratification, mm. um, where, as you mentioned, it's very easy. Well, I mean, if you're looking for balance, yeah, right? Uh, you're, you're not going to find it by constantly trying to please narcissists. No, right? you don't. And I find that this is an interesting thing because I see in the scientific world... Um, all the leaders tend to be very narcissistic. Yeah. But in the shamanistic world, it's the opposite. And I find that in the shamanistic world, there's a natural uh, filter that filters out narcissists. They only they get stuck at a certain level and can't get further because mm. the society around them will always recognize them that way and never appoint them as a spiritual yeah. leader. I would say, you know, well, I can see it in the classes that I'm that I'm taking. These people have have already gone through a lot of stuff. You know, it, yeah. it took them a long way to to end up in a in a basic seminar of the shamanism. That's not something you would approach right away. Mm. So these people already have a very good sense of themselves and a reflection in a way to yep. to you know connect to to everything around them. So they they would i would say they have um, that ability to see if someone is leading the class and you know it's just has only their own his, yeah. his or her own interests in mind you see that you can yeah. feel that um well yeah. i i it, it's i say it in the sense that i've seen a lot of new age people go towards shamanistic traditions yeah only to shove it in the face of someone else yeah. And they don't get very far because who's going to want to come to them after having experienced that, you know? Yeah. Uh, you go to someone like that and they they just try to make you feel guilt and pain. Yeah. And and I say this because I think there's a natural filter in the hierarchy of nature that filters out narcissism yeah. naturally. Nobody wants to be around somebody that only gives a fuck about themselves. Same in the animal right? King, kingdom, right? Exactly. If you can't trust someone because they only have their own interests in mind and and leave you alone where it's always needed in a group, yeah. well, then they exclude this. So, and it's interesting to me, and this is where I talk about empirical culture. In the scientific world and in the you know scholastic institution world, mm -hmm. Narcissists are rewarded and do very mm, well. It's a good, yeah. It's a and good and point. it's it's an opposite filter. It actually filters out. It, it does one of two things. It'll filter out the good people and push them to the bottom of the salary totem pole, right? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, mm. Or it'll turn people who were perhaps good in and 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 holistic in, in, in nature into narcissistic people mm. who then eventually need to, like you mentioned, you need to um, cut yourself off. In order to perform tasks that are inhuman, right? Yeah, like yeah, torturing yeah. monkeys and and yeah. and mice and gorillas and yeah. all these things, to, 
to 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 try and fool yourself that you're doing something for a greater good. Yeah. Right. True. So that that's why I say is like when you I think you know what I think that this is one of these big things that we can now say, um, shamanism versus biology or shaman versus biologist, mm -hmm. right? As we had in the first mm -hmm. picture, uh, Dalzim versus Blanca. Uh, <laughs> this is, I think, one of the most fundamental, now that we've spoken about this, mm -hmm. I'd say this is the inversion. This mm -hmm. is the most fundamental aspect mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. that differentiates one from the other. And this sure. is the reason why I think the scientific um, framework is not respecting the the, the shamanic uh, um, I don't want to call it framework, but the shamanic uh, practices, um, specifically via uh, the way that shamans gather their information, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's because of the narcissism is naturally going to want to push that down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Because yeah. I think that people who are naturally narcissistic know that they can't get any higher mm -hmm. without pushing someone else down. I also have actually really never encountered someone being very narcissistic in a narcissistic in a shamanic environment. Right. Because you have to have a, a an inert interest in in looking at yourself and mm. I think um highly narcissistic people they don't they don't want to improve no, themselves that's my because point. they see you know they they, they think they're perfect nothing. instead of improving themselves yeah. they pull others down so yeah, they yeah, yeah. then rise to the top and that's the big difference yeah, is true. that in the shamanic world there's a a, 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 a a will to try and push others to the top yeah. and bring them up with you yeah whereas absolutely. in the scientific world it's more down. about uh, you've reached your limit uh, but if you push others down and and, mm -hmm. and and you get compensated, others won't realize that you have reached your limit a long time ago, and you're not going to go yeah. any further. I wouldn't even not only say in a in a in a in the scientific world, but also you know like in general in um, companies, big companies, and and all that. I think that is a essence industry. Yeah, the heart of empirical culture and mm. industry. Mm. It is that. It is, yeah, is the yeah, fact that true. it is worthless to begin with and the only way it survives is by pushing everything else down so that it can appear like it is power. Yeah, that that's why our money is is worthless and 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 built on debt mm. because it's built on the idea of pushing everybody down into debt making everybody believe that it has value, mm, right? Yeah, it, it. It's the same thing with education, uh, you know, in, in the modern day context, right? Education in the modern day context isn't about learning something and becoming mm. greater. Mm. It's about sit at your desk for eight hours a day, you dumb cunt, and fucking, you know, go to the toilet after you've raised your hand and I've allowed you. Yeah, yeah. There's a conditioning. It's a, suppress, uh, su su suppression. it's a suppression of the individual yeah. and of the human in order to make the education system They're breaking appeal. also the, the, the kind of even almost the soul i would say you know yeah. like yeah. yeah yeah amazing yeah anyway so let's let's take a couple more questions yeah and, and then, uh and uh let's 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 call it soon right yeah, i think this I has been so. an awesome conversation it's one of my favorite episodes so far sounds All right? good uh, if you guys think the same <laughs> let us know and we will continue on with this uh with this topic pass in the future yeah so let's see what we got here um maybe yeah while you you know having a look at it maybe also for you guys who are now are interested in 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 shamanism at all, like, and you think, hmm, what can I do? Where can I find information <laughs> and all that? I would really recommend to start with Michael Harner. He wrote a couple of books just to get an idea about that, how he, you know, came across uh, shamanism and all that. And at least if you're in Europe, there are different classes in different areas. Um, you can go to the European, the Shamanic Foundation of Europe. 
Mm-hmm. And if you're in America, there's the American Shamanic Foundation from Michael Hanna. It was actually the original. He he founded in America. And then, you know, this the, the second one in Europe that um, has been led by Paul Okusic. Okay. So... Is there a main website or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. There's a main website. We can actually, you know, put it down later if you want to in the, in the description. Sure. And Do you know what it is off the top of your head? Shamanic Foundation? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. I don't know it by heart. And I remember the, I think, was it the wife of Michael Harder? I think she's yep. still alive, right? Yeah. Um, it was her or I think she's the director of the American Foundation um, who said she wishes that everyone at least would just try, you know, the basic seminar to to test for, the, for themselves, mm-hmm. to see for themselves if that's something that is worth, you know, to try out. Because... As you said, and as as I said, once you felt that, once you had the experience, you can't go back. There is really something adding to your life, whether you want to, you know, continue and, and do more classes or just want to keep that level up where you communicate with your yeah. uh, spirit animal. It doesn't matter. But once you felt that that there's more to it, you can't go back and it's really opening yeah, up. Yeah, the yeah. World you can't unfeel you. it. That's so for that's sure. So that's from the Europe, the European side. Yeah, this is uh, shamanism.eu mm-hmm. and uh, this is the Foundation for Shamanic Studies Europe. Yeah. And this this is the uh, the primary group that you actually Well, this is the one from 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 Europe. So I I visit classes uh, because it's just close to my area, right? Yeah. So and um, also and, and, being uh, part of the community Roland Oban. Roland Oban, he's the director of, of it. Of this, right? He's the yeah. director of the European Foundation, right? So there's also a lot of information on the website and the here are the different the different workshops and classes that you can you can visit. There's also some online online stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So if you're not in that area, <laughs> yeah. just um, even the basic class, I think it's nowadays even online. So, but I, whenever there's a possibility, I can highly recommend to just you know have, being there in physical. It's it's different when you are in the group and and really are being in a room with people and the drumming and all that. It's yeah. it's really cool. Very so cool. yeah, that's that's one way I would I would start and I can highly recommend the shamanic foundation as I said as a scientist it was always important for me to be able to relate also on a logical level to it (laughs) and this is absolutely happening here I know there at least in Germany there are so many people nowadays that offering classes on um, shamanic education from different sources and at least with that I, I feel I'm 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 really well guided yeah. because they also say you know they don't want to shove something down your throat they want to open up an environment where you can make your own experiences mm-hmm. and then where you can also adjust things to the way you want to do it um, and to to really find also your own path and your own practice and and that yeah, yeah. but at least learning the guidelines and many people also say you know like shamanism that's something um, dangerous. <laughs> I th- I was like that too, you know. I thought yeah, like yeah. this is dangerous. You can't, you know. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. You shouldn't work with this kind of stuff. I would say that mysticism without guidance is very dangerous. Exactly like right? that. You know, uh, Roland just exactly said that. You know, not knowing anything about shamanism is the the dangerous stuff because yeah, it's uh, all yeah. around us. Um, yeah. Energies are all around us. Spirits all around us. And if you don't know what you are up to and what you are dealing with on your daily level, yeah, you know, things can can just happen you know fast like if you if you have a i know a spirit in your house and you don't know what to do these kind of things you know like but once you know about these things you you um you can you know what to do with it yeah so it's just like you want to 
you know, driving a car or something. You have to know certain kind of things in order to be safe out there. Yeah, yeah. of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. All righty. So let's take another yeah, sure. last uh, statement or question here. Yeah. Filminator um, says, energy workers say when you're sleeping, you slip into the spirit world. Mm -hmm. And she says also that I see my pets and loved ones that have died all the time in my sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, it's the same. Yeah. This is what we were talking about earlier yeah. with the idea of even like astral projection and all that stuff yeah, yeah. Um, that you can go places in your sleep. Yeah, exactly. So um, dreaming, and I talked about this with, with Roland, I, I made an interview with him. He yeah. said, you know, dreaming is really a shamanic journey. It's just not that you are, you're not guiding it by yourself. You're not going with an intention, you know, it yeah. just happens and you see pictures and, and all that. And so if you want to really use use this realm for answers, then learn learn yep. the shamanic journey. and you Dream can, interpretation is a big thing too, That's another right? thing, um, something I, I was... I was really interested in it for many years and I, you know, I even had a, uh, like a dream, someone I was working mm -hmm. through my dreams and she explained me all the different signs. Nowadays, I know you can't work with, you know, stereotypical science. It's, it's, it's so personal, it's so individual yeah. that um, I had a, a dream workshop last year from the Shamanic Foundation and the way it works is that I found my expert for dreaming. Mm -hmm. So my spirit expert for dreaming. Whenever I have a question about a dream, I'm yeah. consulting my spirit because he knows right. So, you know, like <laughs> then it's, it's interesting sometimes even, you know, you sometimes I'm merging mm -hmm. with him to to get the meaning of my dream. Sometimes he just shows me like uh, on, a, on a screen, what is it about? The background yeah. of it, the different aspects to it. And that's the only way to really interpret a dream. Not not by going through a book with different yeah, signs, you know, like oh, like a spider means you're afraid of <laughs> spiders, <laughs> something yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, it's not how it works. <laughs> spiders mean your 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 daddy spanked you too hard, <laughs> for example. Yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. I, yeah. I, I remember when I was younger, we would hear things like that. It's like, oh, yeah. if you dream of a baby, someone will die. Like things like These that. These kind of things. Yeah. yeah it's, okay. not, it's not like that. <laughs> okay. Well said. Um, Alrighty. Yeah. So before we part for yeah. today, uh, who won? I mean, it was a battle, I think, right? <laughs> so, which which one would you say is 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 actually doing a better job of uh, conveying reality? Well, I would say absolutely the the shaman. Yeah, <laughs> I would say that. But, um, unfortunately, the look, the idea of biology and science, yeah, is very formidable, and I think that in the hands of perhaps a, a practicing shaman person, mm -hmm. a shaman, shamanistic practitioner, yeah. it, it could be very valuable. Well, I, I I often say myself, you know, through shamanism, I became a better biologist, and yeah. through biology, I became a well, I'm a better shamanic well, practitioner. And this so these these two worlds enrich, and I I would see it with everything, you know. There's always an aspect that you can take from one place and bring mm -hmm. it into it, and and just take the good to the best stuff. Like I really yeah. like with science the way how you you put logic things logical together and that's for me it helps me when i'm yeah. working you know for a client for example i get this information and i put them a little into an order so it's there's nothing bad about logic decisions yeah. and and all that it has its place but i feel in our society there is nothing else anymore yeah. it's just that's just and all of it it's funny cuz uh to me classically science is a methodology yeah right and, yeah. and, 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 and shamanism is a science to me as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I, it's, I, look, the, to, to, to say biology good 
uh, or biology bad no. is, is really is, is, that's not what we're trying to do today. No, but no, what no, I do wanted to, <laughs> I want, but the reason why I called it not shamanism oh, oh versus goodness. it's okay, shamanism versus biology. Instead, I called it shaman versus biologist. Yeah, and the reason is very important: is the average biologist is an indoctrinated person mm-hmm. in a specific system that has been uh, granted a title Mm -hmm. through uh, its path through that system. And it's the same thing with a shaman. Mm -hmm. But now let's look at them side by side. An actual biologist who has gone through the system is a product of a system, Mm. not a scientific methodology, right? Mm -hmm. And, And I say this because the scientific method is applicable in the shamanistic world in every step of the way yeah, and absolutely. is not separable. No. It's a part of nature. I think the scientific method is well described. I mean, it's 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 a natural yeah. process yeah, of, yeah. of wanting to connect to something and understanding it. But a scientist is somebody who has gone through, I'll use it again for the last time today, empirical culture and has been indoctrinated mm-hmm. and titled. It's true, so, yeah. It's and true. so this is what I kind of wanted to talk about really at its core the shaman is appointed, and you can look at what can a shaman uh, 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 reach mm-hmm. uh, with his uh, experience, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. his, and 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 with his let's I don't even want to call them talents, but with his uh, abilities. abilities, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what can a, a scientist reach with his or her abilities? Mm-hmm. What uh, what what here is closer to reality and nature, and and has let's say more truth in it, mm-hmm. because. You can go crazy trying to do another PhD in your life, or you can uh, you can you can I find something of, of perhaps more value yeah. that is guiding you more towards reality. And I find that uh, the more I've experienced you doing a lot of the shamanic stuff, the more I'm starting to really see that the 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 true destruction now of the the scientific industry. Mm. It's uh, it's not something that we can easily undo, but. A lot of I think that the more people who gravitate towards this type of truth uh, of the shamanic path, yeah, um, then that empirical culture will fall apart from itself inside out. Right? I would say so too, yeah, because yeah, you you discover a whole new world, and I wouldn't say you know I don't want to preach down these things as a as a religion or something. I already said that also in the interview no, back yeah. back then that you know. For me, what the the shamanic practices do is having a connection to everything that is around me. And I would say shamanic practices already start with when you are out in the forest and you touch Mm -hmm. a tree and you really open up yourself for the possibility that this tree is alive and that you can communicate with that tree and that the tree can feel you and you can feel the tree. Yeah. You know, this You're has nothing to do with stuff. the shamanic journey, yeah. but this is already this is already also part of me for me mm. having a shamanic experience. And you don't need to go that far, you know, to to start and bring bring this aspect into your life. This is already how you can start with going into the forest and really open up yourself for the possibility that everything around you is alive, is is has a spirit, is connected, mm-hmm. and w- once you open up for that, the rest will come to you, and you will see what are the next steps. You know, maybe maybe you want to lay down in the forest for an hour and just just really connect yeah. to to the tr- to the tree. You don't need a class for that. You have that within you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. And the more you do it, the more of your own experience you'll develop. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. So this has so. been an excellent episode of Smart Home Street, people. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed this. Me too. Um, Shaman versus biologist. <laughs> Maddie versus Maddie. Maddie versus Maddie. I actually do have sometimes that battle within me, you know, Absolutely. sometimes when I think 
do I need to be more a biologist right now or more shaman <laughs> or like shamanic practitioner? Yeah. And what is the more appropriate right thing to do and say right now? But I'd have to say that I became way more brave to open openly talk about these things. And I don't care. Yeah, at first you didn't want to. At first well, you were like, I don't want to be known as this. It'll ruin my career. And, and, yeah, well, you know, and then you start I'm, to I'm see your career see wasn't happy, making you happy anyway. It, it, it doesn't matter. And I do see more and more the more I practice that how it really enriches my life and I wish that for everyone out there that's why I'm I'm talking openly about it how it changed my life and you know and if there are people out there who think I'm I am totally nuts well then maybe yeah, well, maybe <laughs> let them come it. to the to their own truth yeah. some other way and if if that what I'm saying just for one person you know lights a little bit like a light mm-hmm. to to make their or her life uh, better or you know, giving them a little bit that experience that I had on my way, then I'm already happy. You know, this is all I wanted to do. Well, yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Yeah, me too. (laughs) We'll see you next week. Weekend. Same time. Until then. (laughs) Keep well. Bye.